This is Movies, a podcast about the active cinema. With me today is Hans. How are you doing, Hans? Lens flare. Hi, good. Uh, it's uh, it's going to start raining pretty soon here, so we should get going before my power and my internet and my house get flooded. You know, I'm powerless for two weeks. I like that every show now you're wearing a different hat. You seem like you're trying on a different <laughs> personality each time, a more it's youthful too- personality. It- it's too hot to wear a beanie and I can't just let whatever's going up there free because I, I would screen cap myself to make fun of me. So I don't, I don't want to give anyone that ammo yet. You know? so of I course. Just, yeah. Yes. Uh, I'm, I'm trying to dress like a character in Baz Luhrmann's Romeo and Juliet from 1995. Get a DiCaprio look going. Have some mm-hmm. women get their pussies okay. wet from the sight of me, you yeah. know. White boy summer, bro. Yeah. <laughs> and we have the vibes. No, you you got the Leguizamo vibes. <laughs> Me, I'm DiCaprio all day, sure. every day. So yeah. we have. What's the, what's the, the, I'm the, trying the, to the blonde gay boy. What's the... <laughs> Han, <laughs> shut the fuck up. <laughs> we got Stan on the show from Sewer City TV. This is your first appearance on movies, and it's been yeah. Way, yeah, it's taken way too long to get this going. A year, man. We talked about this a year ago. Yeah, it's about damn time. And we're here with a banger. Yes, we, we, we definitely are. I do remember we had this exact show. Uh, maybe not Tetro planned roughly a year ago. And we were like, all right, we got to reschedule this. Let's say a year from today. Yeah. And now here we are. So yeah, I'm very excited about this. Yeah. One of my favorite filmmakers, one of my favorite Instagram personalities, Vincent Gallo. Now... Vincent Gallo's directed four films. We've only seen two of those movies. Uh, Promises Written in Water was released at, I think, Cannes or uh, maybe Venice. And it never saw a public release after that. He's a very mysterious director. He will probably respond to you if you send him a DM on Instagram because he is more online than I think uh, he initially would have liked people to think. Uh, his website has not been updated seemingly since 2002. It's very stripped down, very bare bones. And you did a video on his website and his services that you can find right now. Brief look inside the mind of Vincent Gallo. That was the first thing we ever did. And I do, I do kind of cringe looking back at it. And we've been, ever since he, I'd like to take some kind of personal responsibility for his comeback. Um <laughs> Just to toot my own fucking horn. But ever since he put out the the t-shirts, man, we've been talking about doing a second one. And I feel like anytime we go to start to do it, something new start like something new happens, or I find some sort of connection with the guy. And now I'm just building a fucking arsenal on this motherfucker, Vincent Gallo. So Gallo too, it'll come out eventually, man. Well when the when the time is right. I I am highly anticipating that. And yeah, his T-shirts, which I think most of them have sold out, even though they go for like $600 a pop. 666, yeah. Yeah, 600, of course. (laughs) Uh, And, uh, you know, he likes to do like conservative dad boomer memes on the shirts or like a very unflattering photo of AOC and then just like a little, like one of his little uh, comments that he typically adds to that. You see it a lot on his Instagram where he'll put up a photo of a person and then write a good essay. Sometimes an essay. Sometimes it's just very quick and to the point. 
uh, and it's usually very cutting if he does not like the person. Well, it's a parody of that Obama Hope poster, right? That's what is. That's what I've always seen his his images as, where he's just one word. It's like, oh, it's the Obama poster with the it's, hope. Always, it's always like a horrible fucking picture, too, man. And these never last more than a day, typically. It'll be a, a rare sight if you see it for a week. He does choose to delete these. I think be, originally they were getting flagged because he put up a Nancy Pelosi one, and then there were some like some hashtags that might have been uh, perceived as a call to violence. I don't know. Uh, but uh, I, I've noticed that he does delete the posts, and it's not a, a mass flagging event. Yeah, I think he I think he got away with the Justin Trudeau one for like a few days, which I'm surprised about. What do you call him, a fag? I think it was just fag oh, on, on top of yeah. his face. Just big, bold <laughs> F-A-G. So... That's that's the kind of filmmaker we're talking about tonight. And it is I think his trajectory is very interesting. And you know, you joke about uh you know that you've kind of caused a resurgence, but I actually do think that your video, my talking about him and then also probably like Jack the Perfume Nationalist, uh, mm -hmm. all all of this uh conversation around Vincent Gallo has somehow conjured his return in the past year and a half that, and obviously like the decay of America riling him up um, where I think maybe if this was 2000, 2017, 2016, I think there would be absolutely no hope that we would be getting a release of promises written in water or his um, subsequent film, which I think is just called may. I might be wrong about that. Uh, I think but, you're right. Yeah. But uh, I, I do think that this, uh, sudden sudden spur in his online popularity and being kind of a uh, a cultural figure in this weirdo space uh could increase the probability of him making an independent return on his own uh accord that'll be the day man i can't wait didn't you didn't you reach out to him about mass state yeah, well, I was leading up to that, and I did put out an offer. I didn't get into the details. I was just kind of like feeling things out. I was like, so uh, are you still acting nowadays? Or, I mean, what's going on with this? Would you be open to doing a project? And I didn't get anything back for that. I got some, some dialogue over other stuff, and I've talked to him since then about a variety of issues that aren't related to, uh, you know, that project. But, yeah, no, I don't, I don't think he's interested. They just rile him up politically. No, I don't. Did you see what AOC said today? Vince? <laughs> <laughs> just messages like that. Just Jimmy Dore videos. Yeah. Yeah. That, uh, that would be a good approach. I know Jake Hanrahan like, tried to challenge him to a fight or something. And he sent something very nasty back about him being a limey or whatever. Anyway. Uh, so, have you talked to Vincent? I... I actually messaged him maybe like two weeks ago and asked if he was available for an interview. And his response was, fuck no. And, um, <laughs> but here's the thing. And I was going to tell you this earlier when it happened, but I've been, you know, I'm, I can talk about it later, but like I mentioned this road trip we're going on. So I've just been reaching out to people all over the, the West coast. And I ended up finding a girl uh, who saw the video who's been actively sexting Vincent Gallo since April. She showed me <laughs> uh, dick pics that he's been sending her. Oh, no. and, uh, oh my God. 
and she the first message she sent was like hey daddy she's should, a, wait, should a, you should you be saying this in recording well hold on a second if he holds a dick pic up to the camera then this this constitutes revenge porn but hold on that ha- didn't that happen to anthony weiner and then it worked out for everybody <laughs> so right I, I, well the guy that showed it died right uh it was, was uh it? what's his name uh this journalist um oh, fuck what's his name he had like a heart attack or something he was like big right wing at that time oh uh breitbart did it yes that, andrew that guy, breitbart yeah. Do you want to be, hey, Stan, you want to be the Andrew Breitbart of our show? (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I can text her right now, send fucking screenshots. The first first message she sent was, was, hey, daddy. And his response was, your rack is fucking awesome. (laughs) That's terrific. Well, he's always been a smooth talker, you know. He is. He gets them, man. And these art hoes, they love him. They, yes, they do. They, they, they all want to be Christina Ritchie and the Brown Bunny, man. They're not yeah. the Brown Bunny. Buffalo. Buffalo 66, which is going to be yep. the first movie we talk about today. Uh, were you familiar with his acting at all before you got into his film, Stun? I think I saw Buffalo 66 when I was like 14. And I saw the Brown... Actually, I watched the Brown Bunny first when I was 14. I live next to a library and I got really into early criterion releases and stuff like that. And that's kind of my introduction into like film was just grabbing shit based off of uh, DVD covers. And I remember specifically getting house and the Brown bunny and Buffalo 66 all like one rental. And so that might've actually been one of the first, art and maybe like the first five art house films i ever saw was the brown bunny and i loved it at 14 years old i fucking love that movie that yeah. i mean that kind of movie requires great patience and uh faith in a sort of payoff that's going to make the entire trip worth it because there's a lot yeah. of movies like that that were released around that time and i'm thinking of um you know, some of Gus Van Sant's films are kind of in that vein where it's just like we're going to meander on the screen for several minutes at a time and not cut. And mm. you're going to just partake in the experience and trust me as a filmmaker. And he doesn't quite pull it off, in my opinion anyway, uh, the way that Gallo does where – and we'll talk about this more with The Brown Bunny once we get into that. I do want to start with Buffalo 66. But The Brown Bunny becomes two different films, and that's the initial viewing film, and then the film, when you rewatch it, is something that's uh, completely separate of that first viewing experience. Um, I, I think I first discovered... I, I think I knew about Gallo before I ever checked out any of his films. Uh, but I had a, uh, a girl who I was dating at the time who had gone to NYU, and she was a total psychopath literally the worst woman I've ever met in my life. The only woman I thought was capable of murdering me and my family. It was a very uh, spooky time in my existence. But one thing she did uh, that was a good thing was uh, she was like, oh, so I I know this uh, movie. We watched it in one of my classes called Buffalo 66. It was like a big hit in the 90s. I was like, all right, yeah, whatever. Yeah, throw it on. She had good... And here's a great sign that a girl's a psychopath is she loves, like, very good movies. She's got good movie taste. That usually means she's unstable 
That's that's what I've experienced. So, like the the closer a woman's brain is to your brain, that means she's a dangerous person. That's that means she's a bad is bad it, seed. Yeah. Is it, is it is it because you're like there's no way that you discover this by yourself? So. What hole or what room from creepy guy's room were you in that you were exposed to this? Type it of could movie? be that. It could listen. What kind it could of be drugs that. Were you doing when you were introduced? Yeah, it's it's it's, it's yeah. all of the above. It's all of the above. And it turns out, you know, BPD is uh, you know kind of a meme nowadays. But she was a legit BP. And I found that out finding finding books on her floor when I slept over. She didn't tell me shit. I saw like one of those. Uh, BPD for dummies, chicken soup for the BPD soul. Oh my god! Those those types of books. I was like, so uh, hey, I I noticed these books. Are you like studying uh, psychology or something? And no, she was not. She was crazy. So no, those uh, are self help books. Yes, yeah, so, yes, yes. Yeah. So I watched Buffalo '66. I was like, wow, that was actually a really enjoyable, great film. And then um, I was I was very intrigued by by Vincent Gallo as a director and um, as an actor. During that period of time, it was like 2009, and I checked out Tetro Next, which was on Netflix at the time, because Netflix actually had like good art movies during that period. They just didn't uh, strictly cater to India and China like they do now, or like <laughs> retarded fat moms who are like, "Oh, a Ryan Murphy, <laughs> Ryan Murphy did a movie, cool." Uh, so I checked out Tetra and I found it very painfully boring because I just didn't have the tolerance for it back then. It's in black and white. There were no famous actors in the movie other than Gallo. Uh, I just I, I didn't have the patience for it. And then... Um, yeah, that's kind of where I found for... myself with this one, too. Like, you, had, you, had the pa- you had the patience for Buffalo, but not for Tetra? Absolutely. Buffalo 66 is like a kinetic energy, fun... 90s film with him being a nasty character and uh the editing is sleek the look of the movie is very uh distinct mm. and tetro is a is a is a very strong film it's uh the last great movie that um i think francis ford coppola made but it requires something different of you than what buffalo does buffalo feels right in place with movies like uh that that came out during that time like train spotting in my opinion um, even if it isn't as fast paced and it kind of, you know, sinks into uh, the the Buffalo locale and the characters around there. Well, he does a lot with not a lot, I guess. Yeah. Uh, the way that he uses the camera, the angles he uses and just, well, the the, the way that the movie's even formatted uh, give you a lot without him having to do much with this story because there's not really much that happens really and it's more about the relationship and the interactions that they have and the way that they're shot. So I saw uh, <clears throat> Tetro yesterday and uh, it was like, as much as I did enjoy it, it was kind of a, kind of a long, you know, it, it, it felt like it could have been cut maybe 20 minutes unnecessary of just, you know, the, not really doing much with what's there, but I ended up liking it more, more than I expected. Uh, Mostly because at the beginning, it really felt like it was just going to be, uh, you know, uh, uh, Vincent Gallo's um, older women trip to Europe where he's finding himself. You know what I mean? Like, it felt like very, uh, what's that movie? Uh, Sisterhood of the Traveling Pants, but in South America kind of <laughs> sure. thing. Uh, and then that reminded me that you bought his pants, right? I did. Yeah, I, I should have wore his <laughs> pants for this show. I wear his pants for so many other podcasts. 
Yeah. I, well, I bought a pair <laughs> of his that's, pants. That's, that's, by the way, that's kind of weird to say because we never see your pants. So why would that be? Like, I would know. It's, it's, it's it's my, my, my podcasting occasion. pants. Yes. <laughs> uh, so I, I bought a pair of pants from him uh, last year when I found his eBay store. Right. This was before he came up on Instagram and started being a character in the public again. And uh, I found it in the comment section on some YouTube video where some guy was uh, talking about something or another. And I went and I purchased a pair of pants from, from his eBay store, which were very affordable. A lot of other things, not so affordable. Very expensive, as a matter of fact. Anyway, he shipped those pants to France and was like, I'm so sorry. He sent me a very lengthy a block message apologizing. Just the humility of this man. And he said, <laughs> I'll refund you, and you can pick any one or two things from my store, and I'll send that to you absolutely free. I was like, all right, I guess I'll go with these. And they were corduroy bell bottoms, and they look fantastic on me. You should see me out on the town with those bell bo- those bright blue bell bottoms on, corduroy. Comfortable fit. Uh, turns out we're the same pants size, so it worked out just fine in the end. Man's got taste. Yeah, his eBay store is awesome, actually. Like, his, his, I mean, the reason that he can have all these houses, live all over the world, is he collects shit, uh, mostly, like, audio equipment and stuff. Like, I don't, his, there's actually, you know who Steve Albini is? Yeah. Yeah, he, I guess him and Steve Albini totally hate each other's guts because they're constantly, for the last, like, 15 years, have been in, uh, uh, bidding wars over uh, aluminum neck guitars and he has like the largest aluminum neck guitar collection in the world it's crazy uh-huh. and I, I love I, I'm a nerd for um, guitars like that they're super expensive but apparently that's his thing is completely metal guitars and he has tons of them I did see a video recently uh, about him so there was a guy who I guess traded some vintage piece of like audio equipment to him and uh, wound up buying his son a car after the fact because it was a very uh, valuable piece of equipment. I think it was upward of uh, like 2000 to $5,000. So it wasn't a nice car. It was like a used car. But um, yeah. so he put this out and it was a clickbait title like Vincent Gallo bought my son a car. And I was like, ah, what, a, what a sweet video. What a wholesome video, even if it's a clickbait <laughs> title. And then you see in the comments section by someone named like uh, Juan, Juan Del Jose, uh, this very hostile, frustrated reply to the video. Like, I got I to gotta find this thing because I'm not going to do it justice. But I was like, Juan Del Jose. It was exactly in the tone of every Instagram post that has come out of Vincent Gallo's uh, feed since then and he was very belligerent to this man who just told a nice story about how he traded a piece of equipment to get his son a car it was it was kind of peculiar but uh very very consistent for vincent gallo oh my god i've seen that video i need to go back and dig through the comments it's certainly worth your your time i i'm gonna see if i can pull it up on my phone in the meantime um so buffalo 66 is his first film what are you gonna say he's one of those He's one of those personalities that we like to celebrate uh, in the show, like the Paul brothers, you know, where they're very much themselves and everyone hates them. It's just like, fuck it. They just do whatever the fuck they want and they're successful with it. And it's just like, yeah, this 
they're shitheads and and well i don't know if vince gallo is a shithead but he's very much like he doesn't live by anyone else's rules if he feels something he's just gonna say it and whatever and i really like that uh so uh it's good that he f- <laughs> i guess it's good that he fights on youtube commentary to set the record straight under his burner accounts and latino names that's pretty i mean it makes sense coming out of him right i think he's as online as the rest of us yeah well i just found that comment if you guys are interested this is from jose pedro carlos from a year ago and this is on the Legit, yeah. on, on the video what vincent they, gallo bought my son a volvo 240 what were you gonna say odds no, no 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 go on go on okay well jose pedro carlos says interesting story a little too self-righteous maybe okay let us discuss the legend genius vincent gallo Firstly, Vincent Gallo is not a rich, spoiled celebrity buying up rare audio items because he heard they were good. In fact, he more than nearly anyone else responsible for the renewed interest in most vintage audio and vintage pro... Wait, uh, he more... In fact, he more than nearly anyone else... I There's a typo here. He meant to write, is responsible for the renewed interest in most vintage audio and vintage pro audio. He goes back to collecting and using what was long ago considered out-of-date, discarded audio equipment. He garbage-picked half his collection before any of it became valuable. He wrote tons of articles about audio things long forgotten, and he has the most knowledge and best ear of anyone out there. And there are hundreds who have known Gallo who have learned everything they know from Gallo. None of them, however, will ever know everything Gallo knows. Gallo grew up poor and worked mostly hard labor and trade jobs. He has never had mainstream success, and even his masterpiece, Buffalo 66, did not open well and took years to grow its audience. Gallo received $5,000 for writing, directing, starring in, and doing the music for Buffalo 66. And instead of kissing ass and making mainstream films, Gallo remained a radical, profound, and outspoken creator. I am glad this guy got a beat-up, shitty Volvo car out of his Agnes EQs. And I am glad in today's crappy music industry, he can peddle poorly produced music into the charts. But he is no Vincent Gallo. Listen to Gallo's When LP on Warp Records. Best recorded LP in the past 25 years. Audio collecting is Gallo's hobby, but his knowledge, experience, and abilities with audio are unmatched by anyone else I am aware of. And the rule of thumb is simple. If Vincent Gallo wants it, it's very, very, very good and very worth owning. This guy can convince himself otherwise, but likely he was a fool to sell the EQs. That's Jose Pedro Carlos. So, so Vince Gallo bought this guy's things, and with the money he was able to buy a car, right? That's what happened. Yes, and, that's and then correct. Vince, I mean, Vicente Gallina went on the comments and said all of those things just shitting on the guy that was that's happy because he was able to do something with that money that's correct that's great <laughs> i mean i can't i can't that's that's like so crazy that i can't not love it yeah that was also much lengthier than i remember jesus christ my feels yeah. very dry now having read over that. here writing a novel on youtube has he recorded any music? Like, does he have music? Is he a singer? Or does he... Is yeah. Is he a yeah. Charles Manson thing? No, no, no. He's actually pretty good. Um, his music is definitely second to his filmmaking and acting. But uh, the um, the when uh, EP or LP that he had referenced was actually pretty solid, if I recall. And he did uh, 
some some very good tracks for Buffalo '66. So uh, no, he is talented as a musician. He had a band with Lucas Haas called something. It has a weird like hipster title, very hipster 2011 title to it. Their band name, uh, but I, I think that's defunct. I think that's over. Was Vince yeah. Vince in the Pussy Posse? No, he was a little too old for that. I think at the time, oh. DiCaprio was like 18. Uh, Gallo was in his 30s. So right. His first movie, Buffalo 66, he got it made, I think, when he was 37 years old. Um, they started shooting that in, I want to say, 90, 97, and it came out in, what, 98 or 99? Yeah. Anybody? Hans, yeah, I you think wanna, 98. You want to check that out? But Yeah, I'll check it out. Yeah, he's definitely like put out quite a bit of music, and had, he's even played a lot of big festivals, I think. Maybe he did either Bonnaroo or Lollapalooza or something like that. The um, There's some good videos of him, but he's all he's just a gear nerd. Mm-hmm. I don't know, more than anything. He collects old scents and shit. The, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know something I've noticed that he does, not related to filmmaking? I mean, well, actually, yes, directly related to filmmaking, not related to music, uh, is he kind of downplays things that he might have been influenced by because we have Ben Gazzara here in uh, Buffalo 66 and his character is very in vain of the characters that he plays in Cassavetti films from the 1970s. I don't know if you've seen uh, any or, or many of those Ston, but he's uh, just as crotchety. He's just 20 years younger. And uh, mm-hmm. I do recall Vincent Gallo saying he was an influence inspired by, or even likes Cassavetti's work, but it's, it feels almost impossible that you would go out of your way to yeah. cast Ben Gazzara, and yeah. that that would as, be the case as that role. Yeah, yeah. Um, has he has he ever spoken about what his influences are, or is it just his own brilliance? He's a big Pasolini guy, like our friend Kino. He uh, he's uh, very into that body so of he's work. He's a pervert. Y- right. Yes, so yeah, he's pervert. Of course. Yeah, okay. If that wasn't obvious. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Buffalo 66 is entire, almost entirely uh, financed through Vincent Gar- Gallo's uh, efforts trying to get private uh, you know, investors to, to fund that movie. Uh, he had some, uh, full independence some, with it. Some tidbits about Gallo here in that production of the movie in Wikipedia seem pretty interesting where he just fought with everyone. <laughs> he didn't get along with Christina Ricci. He said that Angelica Houston... Uh, caused the film to be turned down by the Cannes Film Festival. He fired the original cinematographer. And then the what the director said that someone else uh, designed most of the cinematography, but then Gallo said that it was him. Well, the director? He's the director. What are you talking about? Who, uh, no, 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 no. Uh, it says director Steph, Stefan said... Oh, another director. Something. Yeah, suggested that Lance Accord thought... Even though Gallo claimed credit for designing most of the film, Accord was a, a, as a but, what? button pusher who had never shot a feature film in his life. So it says, oh, no, he, Gallo was talking shit about this guy, saying that he had no ideas, no conceptual ideas and no aesthetic point of view, which is why he fired him at the beginning of the production. Apparently. Mm-hmm. Which I, I totally believe. Uh, apparently it was a similar story on the Brown Bunny where he had a Japanese uh, man who was working as his DP. And uh, Gallo, 
essentially took over most of the shots for that film, which is also why everything's very close up. And he's just staring at himself on a monitor as he's driving a car for six-minute stretches throughout the movie. Getting gas three times. Yeah. Yeah. Hooking up with Cheryl Ladd. Just because I haven't seen it. I've only seen that scene, right, that everyone knows from The Brown Bunny. But uh, is it aesthetically similar to Buffalo 66? Like, is it the no. same type of... It's it's no. it's okay. not at all. It's the complete opposite. Buffalo 66 feels uh, quite a bit more maximalist. And the brown bunny is, I mean, like the definition of minimalism. Everything yeah. feels uh, deliberately stretched out, long. Uh, the screen is either full and, it, and it's just uh, character faces or it is completely vast. And, mm. you know, you're just seeing like a motorbike go by or a car go by so uh he took the exact opposite approach to uh the brown bunny and uh seemingly wanted to get away from that you know upbeat flashier style that he uses in buffalo 66 all right yeah <laughs> what does no, i haven't buffalo seen it i don't know i don't know what to go with <laughs> you've you've never seen that movie ever no, no, I've only Vince Gather's not someone that I'm familiar with at all. Like no one that I know even probably knows who he is. Like it's not it's not someone that's in my I guess circles even growing up or anything. So uh I I knew who he was, I think mostly from just knowing Lores and how obsessed he is with him and becoming him. But uh, <laughs> so why don't you pay attention to what I'm saying, motherfucker? Uh, so, uh, but uh, yeah, no, I, I just I wasn't able to find that, that brown bunny. But I'm interested because uh, from what I've seen of him, and I was telling this to Loris yesterday, that uh, I find him to be a more interesting actor than he gets used for, I guess. And I guess the fact that he's not really open to work in every production has kept him that. But... The every performance that I've seen of him, even though it's been similar, uh, he's really good at playing that character. Uh, so I, I could even, I guess, see him as like a character actor just playing that guy. But at the same time, it, I, I enjoy the fact that he's just, you know, picks whatever movies he, he wanted to make. Uh, I was looking at the IMDb and apparently he hasn't done a movie since 2013, he, like a Japanese movie or some shit or Russian mm-hmm. or something. Yeah. Uh, so maybe the fact that he's been able to keep his identity as an actor uh, is what makes him so interesting to watch. Uh, but even though he's always a piece of shit, just like an unlikable character, you still can't stop and, you know, want to watch him do whatever's next in the story. Yeah, well, you could, like, argue that, and he would get fucking livid if you said this, but that he's always playing himself and, like, everything. Right. And... Um especially Buffalo 66 Brown Bunny, even, even in Tetra, it feels like you could just see that he's matured and is less of like a brat, even though he's still kind of a brat in that movie. Oh yeah. Yeah. No, I mean that, that's why we're factoring in Tetro here is because I think there's a through line between these three movies and the types of characters that he plays in each one of them. And the trauma that's inflicted upon them is very similar. Uh, to the point where uh, the character's decisions, his relationships with the other characters uh, kind of mirror one another. And it feels like this is all an escalation. Even though Vincent mm-hmm. Gallo had nothing to do with the creative on Tetro, from what I know anyway. 
uh, and that was all Francis Ford Coppola's uh, you know story and I- idea. That character feels so baked. In. It feels like a Hollywood version of the Vincent Gallo character from the Brown Bunny in Buffalo '66, and I think it would be a logical conclusion to draw that. Let's assume these these you know it, it, they're not, um, but uh, let's assume that Billy and uh, uh, Bud are the same character. I think it would be a logical conclusion to see that Tetro is the the third act in that character's life. Yeah, definitely. I mean, the, the way that it's structured, too, they pretty much are doing it that way, you know, where uh, when the brother shows up, like, neither of them really has much going or, or wants much to do with each other, and then they, I guess, grow together throughout the movie and, and end up at similar places, I guess. Uh, I, I, I'm very confused because I know that Vincent Gallo has never been, like, a a leading man person that's going to sell you the movie type of thing. Uh, and the la- last movies he made, like he's on he ca- the poster well, of it's, them. It's a little, it's, he, he kind of is, but he's not right. Where he has that sort of charisma and he's handsome in a way that's like, he's still ugly, but he's handsome, you know? Uh, yeah. So they, it's interesting, they, interesting yes. looking. Yeah. Right. Like, yeah. It's like he has something, this guy has something to tell. Let's, let's have him speak. It makes him feel like an actor from the 70s or 60s or 50s, right? Where you don't have that type of actor frontlining a film anymore. And the last movie that he did, I think, was called Essential Killing, and that was from 2013. And he won an award for that, like a serious Best Actor award. He didn't show up for it. And um, that was kind of really the end. This Japanese film is just a cameo. That you know he he like he he flew out I think and he got paid an enormous amount of money for that because he's big in Japan the Japanese love him for some reason because he's just a brooding you know bad mood American guy yeah. and then he went back and then that was that he has one movie after the one you mentioned uh, it's called Lucy's um, and it's written and and starring is Peter Peter Facinelli. No, that movie sucks. Yeah. That movie's so bad. <laughs> that trailer is awful. He one hundred. That was a favor. That had to be a favor because Peter Facinelli is his friend. If you watch that, that looks like an episode of like a bad mid aughts Showtime series. It well, like suits. No, 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 no. no. Like Nurse <laughs> Jackie ish. Like, like, like oh, okay. really bad. Oh uh, no. It's well. It's, that's his last one before. That before the, the Japanese one you just mentioned one. that, yeah, and then there's one called The Legend of Casper House, Casper Hauser, which yeah. has him on the cover. Yeah, right, he's a is. he's a lead character in that, but I don't believe he is the lead. Uh, and that actually got fairly good reviews as well. That was around the same time. Yeah, I think these are the only three movies I've ever seen him do. Um, or ever seen him in the? I not I not seen Tetra until today. Actually, I don't even think I heard about it until I mentioned it to you. But that's just because I'm fucking out of the loop. Um, He's got bit parts. I know he pops up in Goodfellas, but he's like literally in the background. He's not even a character in that. And uh, he's in an Abel Ferreira film called The Funeral, which that's not a good Abel Ferreira film. But it has a stacked cast. It has Christopher Walken. I think Chris Penn might be in there. Maybe Benicio del Toro, if I'm remembering correctly, and I'm fairly certain it's on YouTube for free. If anyone ever wants to check it out, 
what what about if, uh, what about truth or consequences new mexico starring keith or sutherland 97 He's you know what third. i've heard that's keith okay directed that too I've heard that's an okay movie. I've actually heard that's kind of underrated. But what's not underrated is that, uh, what was it, Freeway 2, that Trick Baby movie he did with uh, the girl from Orange is the New Black. That's uh, that's another rough oh, one. Confessions of a Trick Baby? <laughs> Oof. Oh, it's the ugly one, too, from, from that show. <laughs> it's not even one of the good-looking ones. It's like Ugly Hooker. That's great. Oh, <laughs> and he plays a woman no he does he not plays play a tranny? A I, I don't does he I don't think so that would be amazing he that plays one, a that's I, I, I've seen that pop up on lists for like worst sequels of all time that comes up there pretty frequently because uh, I guess there was a first one that Kiefer Sutherland did and it was well received but nobody has had anything good to say about this this trick baby film Hans, you're muted. He, either, yeah, he, he, he either plays a, tr- a a transsexual woman or a man that likes to dress like a woman. Because on the couple of screenshots that I'm able to find, he's wearing like a a, a red wig that he's removing, hmm. and he's like wearing a lot of makeup. <laughs> well, that's... it says the sister is Vincent Gallo. He plays a character called the sister. <laughs> okay. Well, that's 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 probably why he stopped acting. You know, is uh, yeah too many big mama's house. You know, trying to bring a man's masculinity down by having him wear a dress. Isn't that what Dave Chappelle always talked about? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. He did it with everybody. No. So uh, there's also a movie called Johnny Three One Six, which was shot, I think, the same year as Buffalo Sixty Six, and was supposed to be released in 1998. It didn't get released until about 2011. Or maybe oh, maybe even later than that, and uh, that's not particularly good. But it's kind of the same type of Vincent Gallo. But he plays a religious zealot. He plays a pastor or something. No, no, no. Sorry, uh, he's a, he's like a street corner preacher, like trying to sell you the good word on on Christ. And he's on a soapbox and he's got a Bible up in there. And it's a different kind of role for him. It's kind of fun, but the movie sucks. Yeah, I've, well, I don't think I've I don't think I've ever. Seen in any of the or any of these roles even popping up anywhere like all of these movies la without a map never heard of that before just got a bunch of people that i recognize but i guess it's just a bunch of 90s and early 2000s movies that because they were not on my radar a lot and or at all didn't know who, who this guy was at all I don't well, think they were on anybody's radar after he made uh, the brown bunny movie. well i was i was gonna say that kind of put him in movie jail Right, not necessarily the Brown Bunny's failure, but his reaction to that, uh, and I guess people were really—they found that last scene with the blowjob detestable to the point where, you know, people were booing <laughs> at Cannes. Roger Ebert said, "Was oh, this is the worst." So so dramatic that fat slob, Roger Ebert. Oh, this is the worst movie in the history of Cannes Film Festival. Now they made friends after the fact, which is nice. That's a sweet after he ending. wished cancer, summoned <laughs> cancer on him. Yeah. That was a part of that too, but uh, yeah. Yeah, no, what's he saying now? Say something now with your no mouth or no nothing. He's dead, right? He's been dead. Yeah, he's been dead for okay. about eight years now. <laughs> Say something now. <laughs> uh, 
Stranded is a really bad movie that's on like Tubi that's made cheaply. It was it's very Mission to Mars if you guys have seen that. Hans, I think yes. you saw it. We we did that for the De Palma's retrospective. That's like the death of Brian De Palma is Mission to Mars. Yeah. Oh my. Wait, God. what's it called? Uh, stranded. Oh, so, they get stranded in a space station in Mars. Yeah. Mutants. Yep. Sure. That's- I don't even think it goes that far. I think it's just them hanging out at like a green screen set and uh, you know faking it. Well, that one's that one sucks. Johnny Ramone and, uh, is Johnny Ramone is like fifth build in the movie, so you know it's full of stars. <laughs> that was one of his best friends, so that was probably his own doing. He was probably bored and said, "Hey, you want to just do this movie with me, so I can have someone to shoot the shit with, kill time with? You want to get a paycheck? Sure." And then uh, what came right before that was Trouble Every Day, which um, that director, uh, what did she put out recently? She put out that, I think that Robert Pattinson space movie. Oh, my God. Yeah, I can't remember what it's called. Um, what? High the, Life? Uh, box. Or, uh, was the it High Life box. or was that the Brad Pitt one? High Life. High Life, yeah. High Life, yeah. Claire the, uh, the Fuck Box movie. Yeah. I, I yeah. haven't seen that. I have seen Trouble Every Day, and it's kind of an interesting vampire film. Uh, but again, it's very minimalist. That seemed to be his M.O. Uh, in terms of acting, and then obviously filmmaking with the Brown Bunny in the aughts. And then it just becomes like him doing favors for famous friends on Showtime series during that time. Yeah. Like I think he pops up on, on Weeds or, or whatever the Courtney Cox show was. So uh, that all leads to his exodus from the industry and uh just deciding i'm done with all this i'm not releasing my movies anymore i'm still gonna make movies with my friends i'm just never gonna put them out uh with buffalo 66 it's kind of uh you know a big moment in the 90s with all these indie filmmakers you have quentin tarantino spike lee kevin smith paul thomas anderson uh vincent gallo all these film school uh, you know, students essentially, even if they didn't go to film school, uh, who are especially knowledgeable on the history of cinema and, uh, you know, making their, their feature debuts during this time. And it's kind of a renaissance for movies. Uh, Buffalo 66 is very well received. Some critics don't like aspects of it. And uh, there's a famous episode of a UK TV series where they sabotaged a bunch of critics that had poor things to say about Buffalo 66 with Vincent Gallo, and he walks out and then joins them and then dissects everybody's comments right in front of their faces. Uh, have you guys seen this clip? Yeah, he's, he's wearing the blue tracksuit. And... Yeah. Yeah, that's amazing. That, that's a great video. And, and what's wild about it is you're like, well, we have four critics here. Everyone's opinion is subjective. But... I think by the end of that, most people are like, yeah, these people don't know what the fuck they're talking about. Like, (laughs) at no point does Vincent Gallo come across as like, well, this is just... I mean, the whole situation is clearly, you know, it's based on ego, sure. But what he's saying is uh, correct in that their analysis is not even of the movie, but what they might be projecting onto the movie and things that they just didn't pay attention to. So... I, I think by the end of that, Vincent Gallo comes out looking better and taking down most... I mean, I think all of them had something negative to say except for one critic. One critic might have had a positive review of Buffalo 66. That I don't know. That sounds... 
I mean, I could never see myself doing that just because I don't have the the ego, I guess, that you need to have the confidence to do that shit. But it's it's like those uh, what's like a Ben Shapiro video when he owns a lib. I don't know why I thought of that immediately. <laughs> Vince Gallo owning the critics. <laughs> oh, he actively hated them, man. He, that's all he ever talked about for a while in interviews or anything was just how much he fucking hated critics. And now he, he knew where they lived and he had a list and he, he, <laughs> he uh, was going to go fucking Elliot Rogers on their ass. He is like the first celebrity of the... I mean, Look, you could point to Jimmy the Greek as one of these canceled celebrities before cancellations were a thing. But really, I think he might be the first legitimate case of that, uh, where his own personality got in the way of his ability to get projects greenlit and be able to make big-budget films, or reasonable-budget films, even. Um, And it resulted in him getting blacklisted. Yeah, and now he... he is making these t-shirts and in the midst of cancel culture and it's like he's got they can't take him down anymore i guess it, it really did set the tone for the Absolutely. later teens um Would yeah you... i can't i can't name anybody before him at all if it happened then Would it was like a serious like... crime right this is the first yeah. time it just happened with <laughs> With a pers- I mean, they, they they drove Roman Polanski out of the country because he was about to go to prison. Uh, but, he, I mean, what's crazy about Polanski is, too, and I learned this through, um, there's a great book on uh, the making of Chinatown, which I'll, I'll try and come up with the name of. But, uh, it, uh, you know, his sentence was not going to be that severe. Like, it was going to be a much lighter sentence than what, uh, you know, was probably be. worth leaving the country for. Yes, yeah, definitely more than it should have been. He's he's a fucking <laughs> rotten prick. Um, <laughs> it was literally something like, so they they talked it down to the judge was going to give him like something like thirty days in jail, and he panicked and still just left the country. He's like, I I got to get out of here. I can't be convicted of this. <laughs> can't I'll be do washed it, man. up. I can't do it. Yeah. So uh, that's what wound up happening, and he's still not back and will never be back. He's going to die soon, I think. So, uh, and what were we talking about? It's 80s, right? He's yeah, he's he's old, and... but he's still making movies. He's still working, yeah, so. That are still being, you know, not blacklisted at all. Oh, Jesus. You know, I just still... got that that photo you sent me of Gallo is the the, the trans prostitute. Oh my god. You want to show it? Yeah, why not? It? Let's see if <laughs> let's see if it comes up on camera well. Hey, food, I'm talking I'm talking, I'm talking, talking. There you go. It's That's very Fu Manchu. Oh, no, what is that? No, no, you're Fu Manchu. Fu. It's too Wong it? Fu. Thanks for everything, Julie Newmar. <laughs> yeah. no. Jesus. Is Jesus. this Euphoria? Is this Generation on HBO Max? Damn. <laughs> yes, that's what, that, yeah. Let's get him. That's what we should, well, not we. That's what he should do. Just like those teen shows, and he just plays a pre. I don't know why. But that, that's a terrible idea. Hold on, first, like, like they would hire him to begin with. But what are you? You're picturing him as a teacher on Riverdale. That's what you're thinking. Just a, is just a Nickelodeon show, just Harley, <laughs> and, and he plays the wacky. He's gonna be friend. on Salute Your Shorts. He's gonna be a camp counselor on there. He's gonna be on all that yeah. this season. He's just smoking cigarettes indoors. Yeah. <laughs> Let's talk about the brown bunny. Also, uh, yeah, for, for Buffalo 66, he didn't want Christina Ricci's mom on set. 
because you know he's trying to like, even though she's a seventeen year old girl, which is a little. I ain't gonna stop him. That's <laughs> uh, clearly. Uh, he was scolding her for not doing things right. He was especially severe with her, kind of an asshole as soon as the camera started rolling. And, uh, you know, very chummy with everyone when it didn't come to film-related stuff. But his method of directing people was so off-putting to the actors that I think it soured their experience with him. And Angelica Houston was especially difficult for him to work with because she's, to a degree, like Hollywood royalty. She was married to Jack Nicholson for a period of time. She was actually going to sell out Roman Polanski, and she agreed to testify to throw him in prison. Jack was like, no, that's my friend. What are you thinking? Stop! No, Please. you know, don't I do was there that. Too. It was my house. What are you thinking? You're gonna look at me. We sleep in that bed. God, women, you know, yeah. trying to send your friends to prison. Can't live with them. Yeah. <laughs> um. So yeah. Uh. And then Buffalo '66 again. That was a big hit. Uh. I clearly did not make enough money to, uh, you know, warrant the the rise to stardom that typically would come with a young director during that time where Paul Thomas Anderson gets Magnolia to follow up Boogie Nights. Boogie Nights is the second film after Heart Eight. Magnolia is a giant three hour epic of something. I don't know. I don't I didn't think that movie held up well when mm-hmm. I rewatched it. So Buffalo 66 uh, is the start of this buff uh the brown bunny is what follows and is a completely stripped down film to its core by comparison that is released in 2003 it's produced by steve bannon before he becomes the steve bannon we know today right who's gonna be on tim cast that he is now yes he he didn't start rotting just yet uh (laughs) did you see that tim pool is gonna have steve bannon on this week no, you don't no keep up shit. with Tim Pool. Yes. I uh, no. his his studio stresses me out. All those lights in it. He sh- he decided to show. Here's the space we shoot in. Everybody, we can't do uh, d- digital guests, so everybody has to be in person. And there's like literally, you know, the it's like, like eighty dollars. <laughs> <laughs> it's like it's, it's like twenty of these lights. <laughs> it's like three phases. If you go to B and H, you can get like an eighty dollar light fixture for a set, and it's, it, it'll definitely do the job. He's got something like twenty of those that just circle the desk oh where God. everybody sits. And at any moment, if someone just like pushes their seat out, like it could all just topple like dominoes. <laughs> it's the most stressful thing I've ever seen. And I can't They'll imagine it's comfortable. Alive. Yeah, they gotta be sweating the entire time, especially with that beanie on. Christ. Well, it's also like an attic, right? It looked mm. like, like an attic that they just had like yes. an empty room of a house. And, and uh, yeah, I... I Beanies are not good for when you're. I, I, that's why I'm not wearing one right now when it's and hot. He lives in like Missouri or somewhere, so the average temperature in Missouri is what, like 80 degrees. It's always humid, and he's doing it in an attic. There's like one fan off to the side, away from the cameras and table, and he's got 20 lights that just fucking outline this thing. I can't imagine that's the most comfortable show to do. And everybody always looks terrible when you watch that show. The lighting is actually bad. You see shadows on people that you shouldn't see. And only he looks the good. The framing is all awkward. And yes. Yeah, it's all it's just, just to make him look good. Yes. He, he <laughs> d- deliberately selected a bunch of like very passive, submissive people and idiots to outline his crew so he can always alpha them and tell, him, t- tell each one of them, but especially this one guy, this long-haired guy who's a dope, 
you know, he just wants to put him in his place every episode. So Wait, wasn't he quit? Didn't he quit first? And then he, he, he is he the one that plays songs sometimes like very romantic and earnest songs where you're just like, what the fuck am I watching? Like he went from, he went from this guy talking about the government and now his long haired friend is playing a romantic song on stream. Have you seen that? I haven't seen that, but I completely believe it knowing his personality <laughs> and his face. Yeah. So, yeah, that guy's terrible. They're all terrible, though. And that show is uh, hardly watchable, but I watch it every night. And I don't know why. <laughs> anyway, Tim Pool has nothing. I mean, I guess they're both on the same side of the, you know, the culture war. Vincent Gallo yeah. and Tim Pool. A lot of similarities there. So, uh they could be friends. Brown Bunny, Brown. Yeah, they. I don't think so. I don't think Vincent would no. would ever hang out with somebody like Tim Pool. So, would you? Well, I mean, listen. He watches the show every night. <laughs> that's, that's true. You're right. Got a little crush on yeah. Him. yeah, yeah, yeah. See him uh, take a trip to Missouri to be on his on his attic to record his show. Just sweaty, full of shadows. Lowrides are going to see on the screen like never before. And you don't have the control of your own lighting. I'll have sweat all over my face. My face will be, it'll look like a glazed donut. I'll just be nervously sitting, sweating my balls. Heavy breathing. Is Loris okay? Do you want a water? Heat stroke. Oh my God. Uh, Stan, what do you prefer between the Brown Bunny and Buffalo 66? Oh, Buffalo 66, hands down. I think it's an extremely, like, watchable film. The editing's awesome. The camera's angles are awesome. Um, Yeah, I mean, and it also, too, like, it's not necessarily, like, a rough watch or anything, but it it almost couldn't come out today at all. And, you know, just with his character and stuff, no one in today's, like, climate would sit and watch something like that but it still definitely i think holds up way more than the brown bunny hmm i i i would you know well first i i do think there is certainly an audience for that type of movie a big audience that i i think hollywood just doesn't care about uh i think based on the morality of that alone um that that type of movie certainly wouldn't be made i agree where you have a a man who's going to kidnap a young girl and then they're going to fall in love. Yeah. She's going to learn to love him. She's going to be kind of into it. And then uh, beg him not to go out or whatever at the end when he's going to go kill this, this oh, uh, yeah. you know, fat slob at the strip club. Even though he has no redeeming qualities or has shown that he cares about her in any way at all throughout the movie. No, he's just been like incre- like the biggest asshole in the world to her. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He's like, I love him. It, it's another one of those manic pixie dream girl scenarios where these yeah. girls dye their hair green and fall in love with drug dealers. And you know. Yeah, you don't have to change anything. I love you flawed the way you are. I'm but it's like, no, stupid. As far as the, <laughs> stupid. As far as the manic pixie dream girl trope goes, this is like the only realistic one. Right. Yeah. Maybe maybe you could make the argument for 500 days of summer because she's just like, oh, but we didn't agree this was a relationship. See ya. Uh, yeah. But for the most part, I mean, you, you see the woman in in a position of authority in those because it's written by Ed Helms types. It's written by the Duplass brothers. It's written by John Green and his brother, 
who's somehow more feminine than John Green, you know? <laughs> wow, what a pull. I completely forgot who, the, who exactly. that Exactly. They disappeared. And, you know, well, he, John Green disappeared. And I think it's because he has to disappear because something bad could come oh, out. Just like, oh, how, okay. just, just like how Louis oh, hasn't come geez. back yet. Louis C.K. doesn't want to come back. It makes me think... All right, this was nothing, Louis. I mean, you could have came back three years ago. Is there something worse that you're anticipating to drop if you do? Oh, Maybe. Boy. It could Maybe. be. I don't know. We'll see. Uh, but, yeah, so this this is a – I think this is a totally realistic relationship to real life uh, in, in a well, very unflattering you, way. You mean because – do you mean because the girl is not the coolest person in the world has ever seen ever? Like every she, girl in it, she movies. becomes <laughs> more into him the more shitty he is to her, which is every right. woman ever in the history of women, yeah. except for lesbians. <laughs> right. <laughs> but what I mean is that usually in those movies, whenever they present those female characters, they're usually like, oh, look how cool this girl is. Oh, she has so much personal. She's like no one else and is the only one diamond in the rough and she's amazing, but mm -hmm. she's kind of fucked up. But not in this one, she's just a, a girl that doesn't really talk that much and she's like kidnapped. <laughs> so I guess I guess it makes sense that it, she develops kind of like a, what is that called? Stockholm syndrome, is it? Yeah. yeah. Where you fall in love for your kidnapper or whatever. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's, it's more realistic because of that because he's a piece of shit that doesn't do anything for her and she's still like i heart towards him mm -hmm. uh the more that she learns even when when you know they go to that dinner with with his family and and she starts learning more things about him that would you know usually i guess uh make someone like you but then he immediately dismisses them in like a very rude way whenever his mom tries to like make him sound better than he is for her uh, so it's a it's a it's a really uh, interesting inter interaction there between them two because yeah at the end she ends up caring for him even though he's completely flawed and no not redeeming it at all nothing redeeming. Well, what I what I think happens with that dinner is you see the power start to shift in that relationship or at least balance a little bit more because uh, suddenly he's feeling humiliated that he's at home and his mom's doing things like that or that his parents don't care about him really today he's just like a cute little figure in the past which i i right. can certainly relate to is my mom always talking about how how cute i was at one point uh, <laughs> just meaningless now um so you 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 do see uh, a bit of that and you also kind of get the the vibe from her own uh, involvement in that dinner that she's pretty fucked up as well with her her lies and the extravagancy of that and her reactions to things where it kind of makes a little bit more sense how things have unfolded uh, to that point. Yeah, they never really explain anything about her past throughout the movie, I don't think. And that's no, that's no. the point where I guess you do get that. Yeah, his mom says some shit about wishing he was never born because he missed a game. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I can relate. Yeah, you don't... You don't really get to know her at all, other than the way that she reacts to what's going on around her. Uh, and usually in things like that, like that would put you off the character and you just really not care. But for whatever reason, uh, there's something about the way that she reacts to all of those things that make you want to see what's going to happen with this shithead and this girl. Uh, and see if, you know, she's either going to just leave or... or 
developing feelings for him, which is what ends up happening, I guess. Uh, but uh, it, it's it's rare to see a character so passive like she is uh, when it comes to presenting anything about themselves in the movie because she she ends up being just that tool pretty much for him to you know attack i guess throughout the whole movie yeah like called stupid and slap (laughs) (laughs) uh ben gazar is also great in this he has kind of a subdued performance compared to usual even if he does have some rage fits uh at times and some great lines about the uh the butter knife being pointed at him or something on the table like that felt very very like some 60 year old 90s uncle you know some pervert uncle to have a fight yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah well he's he like what sits there on his lap or yeah. something right yeah he puts yeah. his face in her tits <laughs> oh yeah <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah. motorboats her <laughs> front of his wife who does not give a fuck at all it's real that that's the thing is like a lot of these characters they're just so based in reality and he will fucking all day Gallo is going to say that it's not based on his life, but it's just, I don't know. It feels his too authentic. Too yeah. Absolutely. And especially to the time, too, and how people would act back then and older people would act back then. It's too, it fits very, too well, just too well. Yeah. Um, so something that I also learned about this movie, uh, Buffalo 66, before we do finally get into the Brown Bunny, is apparently there was a good section of the movie cut out. And that had to do with Jan Michael Vincent's character. Jan Michael Vincent was on a show, I think that was called Airwolf in the 1980s, which was like a procedural yeah. action Hel- film. Helicopter. You're familiar with it, Hans? Of course. Yeah. It's the one I'm thinking about. <laughs> yeah, it, it you're some, right. It was about like some helicopter in, in, the, in the, what, 90s? 80s, uh, 80s I think. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Airwolf. That shit was big here. <laughs> That and the A team. Uh, we also got uh, what was another um, that spy. What was the the spy movie that uh, Steve Carell did like ten years ago with The Rock? Um, oh, uh, Get Smart. Get, get Smart. smart. Yeah. We, got, we got that too. So we we did get some of those action TV shows, and Airwolf is definitely one that I I remember. This is really bad. <laughs> it was just very you know of the time. You know that procedural, but for whatever reason, with a helicopter. So, Jan Michael Vincent is one of these, these actors like Mickey Rourke who wound up destroying his looks. But instead of through plastic surgery, uh, it was a result of alcoholism. Like, you take a look at him in the 80s, and then you take a look at him toward the end of his life, and it's disastrous. It is really rough. So, this character was developed a bit more. You only get to see him as, like, the guy who's running the bowling alley. And he's like, ah, hey, Billy. Oh, wow. And he gives him shoes. Jesus Christ. Oh, we're best friends, it's Billy. Fucking hell, he has a fucking Bill Cosby eye and everything before he died. <laughs> Just a milky eye, or did he always have a milky eye? Oh my god. Eye? I don't think you always I don't think you always have a milky eye. Not unless you're blinded as a baby. Not unless someone spilled some bleach on their baby. With, with cataract. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh my god. He he looks like a fucking Mason from uh, Lord, uh Hannibal. What's his name? Oh, Mason, Mason Verger. Gr- Gary yeah, Oldman's character. Oh, oh yeah, it's rough. It's rough. So I recently watched Animal, and that shit is it's very bad. I hated that. It's the movie. The movie. The movie. Like the show is great, but... 
You don't like the scene where he's feeding his brain to uh, Ray Liotta and he's just drooling? Okay, like, that, oh, that's very, great. Very tasty. I loved that scene <laughs> as a kid. When I saw that, when I was like 11, I was like, damn, that's the, the coolest, coolest fucking shit. thing. Yes. Yep. Absolutely. I remember writing a bunch of short stories that were just centered around like a dude being fed his brain at one point. Fan fiction? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's like that kid ate the brain at the end of the movie? What? That was crazy. That kid, that 50-year-old yeah. kid from Goodfellas? Yeah. Uh, Stan, you didn't <laughs> no, like no, it. No, in the plane. Do you remember the last scene in the plane where he has like a Tupperware with brains? Oh, like, yeah. Would you, hey, would like, you consider that a pedophilic act? What? Oh yeah. If you're feeding a, a random child a, a human brain and they don't know it, I mean, even if they did know it, well, you could argue cannibalism is is a fetish. So yeah, Vor? To watch a child yeah, do your absolute shit, favorite thing. Why else would you do that? So <laughs> we we've cracked the code that Hannibal is a pedophile in the Hannibal movies. Uh, Anthony Hopkins. Wait, who's Hannibal. We? All of us. I wasn't in this that was a discussion. group effort. <laughs> what? When you brought happen? it up. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, all hey, listen, all murders and serial killings is a sexual thing. Yeah. So uh, that's where I'm coming from with it. If you're if you're eating brains, it's because it gets you rock hard when you do it, probably. <laughs> so if you're doing that to if you're feeding children, that's some sick shit. That's a that's a too, that's crossing the line. That's a that's a bridge too far. <laughs> you know. Yeah, don't do that. <laughs> You're thinking about <laughs> don't feeding do brains that. to a child. <laughs> <laughs> it's wrong. Don't do it. <laughs> oh my god. Uh, Hannibal's two thousand one, I think, or two thousand, and uh, the Brown Bunny is two thousand three. So we did talk about how it was poorly received at Cannes. And uh, Roger Ebert hated it. I quite liked the movie, but I did find it a bit of a slog on my first go around. Mm-hmm. And Hans, do you mind if we spoil the end of the Brown Bunny for you? No, no not at all. Well, it's going to change. I, I'm kind of familiar with this story, and I think I saw a review of it before I, I, I even watched. Well, it, so. what, what, what? How familiar are you with the story? What is it? What is it to your knowledge, anyway? It's uh, a guy that rides a motorcycle and um, goes around the states uh, having sex with sluts. And then one of them is like in love with him, and he falls in love with her, and then she blows him to completion before the movie ends. That's no, pretty close. Not. That's pretty I mean, close. <laughs> <laughs> okay, uh, that's that's all I know. I don't know. I don't know anything else. So, so let, I'll give you the I'll I'll give you the play by play real quick of what it is on your first viewing, which is essentially that it's a guy driving okay. driving around and wait, he's wait, sleeping wait. with I, I, women. I do need to pee though. But I'm listening to what you're saying, but I need to piss. You got Bluetooth for a second. Okay. Yeah. All right. All right. Well, I'm going to explain <laughs> it to Hans, who won't be on screen anyway. Uh, and uh, if I'm wrong at any point here, you think, uh, you know, this is not correct, Stan, feel free to interject. Okay. But it's uh, this, this Bud character who's a racer, and he's going and he's driving across the country, and he does, uh, you know, sleep with random women. One of them is uh, Cheryl Ladd, who's like a big 70s actress, uh, quite a bit older than Gallo, I think, during this time. And um, we wind up eventually getting him to a motel room where he encounters Chloe Sevigny. And she just kind of abruptly pops up. And I think the impression at first is that she's a prostitute. And they're making a she connection. She immediately goes and smokes crack in the bathroom. Yes. So, she's, yeah. yeah, she's a very charming young woman. 
And, well, I wouldn't um, say that he he doesn't sleep with the three women. He like emotionally scars them within five minutes of meeting all of them. Uh, yeah, yeah. One is like very obviously a teenager at a gas station, and she's she's. <laughs> have you listened to the commentary that he does for the Brown Bunny? Mm-mm. So this was uh, limited to the DVD release uh, that was put out in Japan. It's not on the one that was released in America. And I have uh, an audio track of it that someone uploaded to Google Drive. So if you ever want to listen to that, it's actually quite good and informative about the whole uh, production of that movie and the process of it and how I think it was Kirsten Dunst was supposed to play that girl in the beginning right. of the movie. And then at the last right. minute, she refused to fly out to New Hampshire, which is where they shot that. So he just picked up and he describes her as a homely girl, some homely girl. She does have like fucked up teeth. You know, she seems like a New Hampshire kind of gal. Uh, yeah. And uh, she's she's not she's not pretty, but she's not ugly. Like if she got touched up a little bit, she could be like a, a pretty good looking girl. Uh, mm-hmm. Probably like just your average, average lady. And, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, you, you see him kind of, like, hype up the dynamic, the potential relationship with that girl, and it subsequently happens throughout the film, and then he just goes off, and he continues his journey, and he's just a solo man. And, uh, yeah, so he does meet up with Chloe Sevigny in the third act of the film, and uh, she's clearly damaged. And then we learn that they have history together, which is kind of like there's a vibe to it, which feels like these two people are familiar with each other. And uh, the the truth that comes out through flashbacks is that, yes, they do know each other. And, uh, uh, well, she's a ghost. Yes, she is a ghost. It's a haunted what? hotel. It's a ha- Yes, it is a horror movie. No, you're... What? Okay. <laughs> I told you. I told you. <laughs> okay, I was just like, "What the fuck?" Wait, now, what do you mean you told me? You're, you're. Being I told serious. you it would. Yes, it would change. Uh, it changes the film on its second go around when you find out how they know each other. This is his ex girlfriend, and they went to a party together. And she was a drug user. She had drug problems. She decided to go get high with some dudes in a back room. And uh, she passed out, and they all decided to take turns on her. And it was kind of a gang rape situation. And Gallo walks in on that and sees it. And he's like, oh, oh, I, I'm, I'm going I'm to leave. So he doesn't even break it up. <laughs> I don't think he knows that she's passed out. So this is happening. This happened with three dudes. And um, he leaves, and then the next time he comes back, there's an ambulance outside. She's overdosed. And she's dead. So, um, we I found a little tri- uh, trivia about that scene. Also, uh, welcome back, Stan. I'm just telling about the the gang rape, the overdose gang rape scene. Oh yes. So they Angel actually dust. went to a party in Hollywood and didn't tell anyone they would be shooting a scene there, and they just they took over a room, I guess, with the homeowner or whatever's permission. They shot the scene, and then they called an ambulance for real and said, oh, no, we think someone's overdosing. And that's how they got some of the scene, I guess, is, is just calling the police. they couldn't afford party. an ambulance? So they, yes. <laughs> they faked it. <laughs> an almost uh, overdose? Right. 
And so how is it revealed that it's a ghost? Does, does the cum just disappear of her face and then she just... <laughs> <laughs> well, okay, so... She Thanos, no, you, Thanos you, away? After she <laughs> swallows <laughs> it, it starts floating and you can just see it in her belly hanging out. It goes right through her head, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like the Bud Dwyer shot, yeah. <laughs> he comes on his own face and he's like, wait a second. Honestly, yeah. that, <laughs> that scene up. is the best scene in the movie. Like the blowjob scene is the best scene in the movie, and maybe some of his best acting outside of his like five-year-old whine, crying voice for half of it. But it is like the greatest depiction of postpoital depression or postpoital <laughs> yeah. depression I've ever seen. Because as soon as he comes, he just goes, "You're a fucking whore. I hate you." you yeah. Yes. <laughs> So his, his feelings turn in an instant and I mean it could have been a ghost it could have been just him coping with his memories which is realistically probably what it was who knows you, he's I think standing either... in the middle of a hotel room jacking off on he's, yeah. Yeah, he still came yeah he still whatever it is he finished <laughs> well this is I mean it's tricky I mean if your wife died like if you had a hot wife Right? Is she that a dies. valid argument, though? If you're in the middle of the lobby of a hotel room jerking off, and it's like, oh, it's a ghost that's blowing me. It's still, oh, he it's he wasn't Weinsteining it. Dead. He wasn't in public, like, jacking it in the hallway. No, he was in the privacy of his own room, Hans. Would you feel weird if you, Hey, would you feel weird if your wife or girlfriend passed away suddenly, right? But she's attractive. She's a hot girl, right? right. Would you still jerk off to her? Oh, hell yeah. <laughs> I feel weird about master. Look, I don't want to talk about my masturbation habits, but if I know someone died, that's a big buzzkill for me. Is it? Uh, no, I think, I think I'm good with it. <laughs> we should have had Jake on this show because he loves women from the 30s and 40s and 50s, you know? Yeah. He would have been yeah. the best person to ask. So we're watching, like, silent porno films, buying... We're real, gonna, real. We're gonna watch D.W. Griffith's Intolerance and get aroused to that gradually throughout the three-hour duration. <laughs> so, uh, you know, a little fun fact about D.W. Griffith is uh, he hired a black woman that he befriended uh, for, I think, Birth of a Nation, and there was some project before that. But he 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 wanted to hire her as a girl whose. Uh, face he would spit in because he was going to be an actor he wanted to spit in her face in the movie he was like you i'm gonna look i don't hire black people usually but you you you're the I, one i want you to you sit have, you have a face. stand here and i'm gonna <laughs> i want to spat in your face and i'm gonna make you a star that's what i just learned and that today. girl is kamala harris <laughs> <laughs> Believe in your dreams, kids. <laughs> yeah. Mm. Anyway, she turned out to be a famous director, got divorced, married again, and uh, had a very nice long life for somebody living in the 20th century. So, uh, oh, that's cool. So it was worth it. What totally. you're saying is, yeah. Would yeah, you take and spit in your mouth? <laughs> <laughs> would you take Would you take Ted Turner's spitting in your mouth for a deal? Oh hell yeah. That's pretty light. Listen, that's pretty light considering most of the time it's a right, fella yeah, fellatio yeah. scenario. You know, at the very least, you got to watch Ted Turner shower and lather his body up. So a little we spit. Well, the spit is coming out of his dick. Does that change anything? 
Is that no. just how he he uh, climaxes? It it's like just that. a little yeah. spittle that comes up. It's, it doesn't shoot. It's just it's psh, it's, like it's more air than yeah. It's more air than anything. It's just kind of like like a like a self defense mechanism. Ted Turner. I I, Turner I don't know about that. He might be. If if he is, he's very old. Speaking of ejaculate, dry. a lot of rumors yeah. that this was not Vincent Gallo's penis. So I mean, if you do talk to your friend Stan, we could probably verify that directly. Uh, oh, yeah. It might have been Chloe Sevigny's boyfriend at the time. A lot of people speculate that. And also, apparently, this is, you know, just what I read. He sold a fake dick on his eBay store around, like, 2005 oh, or 2006. That. So, could go either way. Yeah, I mean, it, was it was it Harmony Corinne's dick? Was it his five foot two <laughs> giant cock? <laughs> Oh, I do not get the impression based on, listen, if you're short and kind of stumpy like Harmony is, I don't think you're packing that kind of heat. It actually, it makes more sense for a guy like Gallo who's like deathly skinny. Yeah, to just have a fucking massive hog. Yeah. Well, they, they say it, it's one of the fucking first scenes in Buffalo 66, that guy staring at his dick. It's just so big. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> he fucking writes it into every movie. I don't know. I can't remember. In Tetra, is there uh, somebody say has a big dick in that movie? Uh, I, I'm not so sure about that. I don't. I don't think in the case of that one. Well, uh, but yeah, it is really. It, so. it, it becomes like the one character flaw in every film. It's just his dick is too big. It's too big for the screen. <laughs> Conscious about his big dick. <laughs> yeah. Weird. Every time he writes a movie, it's about a guy with a terrible problem. He's struggling big because he has a big huge big itis. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'm uncomfortable um, when I talk to women because my penis is too big. <laughs> so, uh, Buff, I mean, Brown Bunny, you learn at the end, and then that changes your perspective of the entire movie to that point, and it makes sense why he's doing what he's doing. He's not just a piece of shit on the road. He's trying to forget the memory of that Chloe Sevigny character or overcome it anyway. Yeah, because so, it's like he's going back to California for the first time right. since it all happened. Right, and when you go and rewatch it, uh, obviously it does change your entire viewing experience of that because suddenly there is this kind of goal in mind that you're aware of. It's not just a road trip film that you think you're you're wandering into. And uh, I do think it's a great film. I think it's one of the better films of the aughts, and uh, you know it is very well done in spite of its uh, extreme minimalism. Yeah, what was the original runtime for the cans thing? Like three and a half hours or something? No, it wasn't that much longer. I think there were about twenty minutes that were allegedly added. Vincent Gallo says, "Oh no, I didn't. I didn't take anything out. I just did this one thing, and the runtime was the same." Because apparently they would just give like approximations for the runtime. But mm-hmm. I mean, obviously nobody can really verify that unless that original cut does come out. Uh, if there is an original cut, so I, I I don't know, but it was it wasn't that significant. No. Yeah, and Ebert said it was a better movie than what yes. he saw at Cannes. Yes, he did. Uh, once that movie comes out, there's a like a like just a storm there that follows him. And it feels very like Lars von Trier at the premiere of, what was it, Melancholia or something, where Gallo's just falling into trap after trap, <laughs> and he can't shut his mouth. And there's an interview with a reporter 
from like 2004, 2005, talking about how he's been living out of a hotel room. He can't get a date after that. It ruined his life. He hates that he ever made the brown bunny. He wishes he never had. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then he starts spouting about being the best dishwasher in New York City. Yes, yeah. <laughs> so after that, he, uh, he, he doesn't make a movie until Promise is Written in Water, which is 2009. And uh, that movie has yet to be shown to anybody. But that same year, he does act in Tetro, the Francis Ford Coppola film that also stars Alden Einreich, I believe his name is, the star of Solo. He, he was kind of gifted a uh, big career in 2016 between that and I think he pops up in Hail Caesar. And mm-hmm. his name was attached to another project. Maybe it was a Woody Allen film. And... Yeah, it it seems like his career has kind of petered out, similar to Ansel Elgort from around that time, where it seemed like these guys had a lot of promise, but didn't didn't accumulate to much. So Tetro is Francis Ford Coppola's baby. Uh, It was an idea of his that he had had for at least like 15 years to make this movie. And the producers or the investors did not want him to cast Vincent Gallo. Vincent Gallo was considered a risk. Joaquin Phoenix, I think, and DiCaprio maybe to do it? Yes. Uh, Joaquin Phoenix was, I believe, the original choice. And DiCaprio was probably the the studio pick that they wanted because then that would have been gangbusters for money. Hmm. So I believe this was mostly shot in Italy, too, which is a, a thing that happens with these older directors. They all wind up going to Italy or Europe to finance their features because they can get their, their, their films easily made over there but what winds up happening as a result is poor distribution in the united states and i think that was also the case with tetro where it didn't get this big rollout that uh many of francis ford coppola's films prior to that did it says it yeah had a limited release on 2009 in the united states uh it was shot in uh argentina spain yeah those two and it was a co-production between the States, Argentina, Spain, and Italy, apparently. Yeah. So <clears throat> the, it shot... the one thing I was kind of kind of confused about with, when it comes to the story is that his girlfriend or wife or whatever, she was Spanish, right? But they were not in Spain. They were in Argentina. I, I know that doesn't make a difference to you guys, but that was very annoying to me. <laughs> so she doesn't talk like everyone else. She's just there, and no one's mentioning the fact that she sounds different. And aren't they, like, commonly law-married, too? Like, they're not actually married? Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. They're, like, together, I guess, yeah. So Who knows? Maybe he picked her up off the street. Took her well, to Argentina. <laughs> we, we, see the, we see how they meet. Wasn't he, like, at a like an AA meeting type of deal where he's talking or something, and then they fall in love, and that's where everything develops? Mm-hmm. And his character in this feels... I wouldn't say that it mirrors his like current existence as like somebody who's, oh, I'm such an artist, I'm such an artist, but no, no one can see my work. I don't want you to see this or that. Like uh, he's writing uh, you know, plays and, and he doesn't want to share it with anybody, which is, feels very Vincent Gallo. Yeah. And uh, it's shot in black and white, save for a couple of sequences which uh, take place in the past where Francis Ford Coppola decided he wanted to use DSLRs, like the technology of the time. And he does this like David Lynch during that era thing that does yeah, not really hold with up. with horrible ADR over it. Oh, too. yeah. yeah. <laughs> Did you like Vincent Gallo's like high-pitched voice on, uh, 
on a on young man, kid? on a 17-year-old boy. <laughs> I, I, I legitimately thought it was a joke when that happened. So Francis Ford Coppola does succumb to that old man syndrome of like, ooh, there's a new technology. I want to get in. I want to get in on this. I'm gonna. I'm gonna help innovate. I'm gonna be part of the process, just like the youth. And it doesn't look good now. It looks really bad. No, it looks. It looks like an early YouTube sketch video. It does. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah it does. It feels very Fred. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Comparing Tetra to Fred. <laughs> Francis. <laughs> Francis Ford Coppola. Have you seen? Have you seen the shit that there? There's references to Gummo and Fred. Ah uh, yes, yeah. There's bacon or something taped to the wall. Bacon taped to the wall in the bathtub. Nobody uh, picked that up for like a decade. I well, yes. Why did that take twelve years? It's like a very it's, obvious thing. I think if for I mean, I guess people just had to age. Like the average demographic of the Fred watcher had to age ten years. <laughs> He said, too, that there's a bunch of other movie references buried in there somewhere. Do a do a Fred retrospective. The Fred Fridge by Harmony Corrine. What did you guys think of Tetro, Hans? I I know you said you watched it today. Yeah, I I uh, I um, I liked the um, visual style of it for most of it. I th- I think the black and white added an extra layer of seriousness that maybe the movie wouldn't have if we were able to see everything in color. But I did have an issue with those DSLR moments because it it completely takes you out of it, uh, especially tone wise. Uh, I, I I didn't even pay attention. I could not tell you what they talk about in those scenes because I was so taken out of the context of what was happening that I tried to like block it for happening so that I could continue enjoying the story that we're telling before they show that. Um, <clears throat> I did. I did feel that maybe uh, it drags on for the last thirty minutes. Once you know the reveal that you know Vince Gallo plays is his dad or whatever, uh, everything that happens after that seems very like who cares? You know, it's, it's there's a scene with the cars. It's very dramatic or whatever. But I I didn't really. I feel like the, the shock of him being the dad kind of takes away from everything else that happens there. So the punch or that hit happens 20 minutes too early, I think, for it to have a lasting impression. Because then at the end, when he starts like doing his shit and then, you know, he goes into traffic very dramatically and Vince Gallo has to go get him and hugs him. And, and that's how, you know, now I love you or whatever the fuck. Like that didn't really feel like anything to me because of that reveal of, Oh shit! Okay, so he's his dad. Yeah, it was that. almost unnecessary. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because it's like that. he 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 flipped completely his personality from I hate this guy and like this guy stealing my stories and giving them an ending or whatever. And now it's like, well, he's gonna go kill himself, so I might as well hug him because I love him now. You know, like it felt very. I don't know. I don't know if it took too long or if it was too quick at the end. Well, uh, I don't get the impression that, that he really hates him at any point. I think he's deeply frustrated with with his uh, mm-hmm. brother slash son. Um, right. But it it doesn't feel like a, a like a true hatred at any point to me in it. It just feels like a guy who's trying to forget a lot of the the miserable shit from his past, and that the Alden Einreich character kind of represents that that girl he lost to his own father. Um, who seduced her away and uh, made his life terrible as a result of that. 
Right. Yeah, definitely. I think it's. I think it looked fucking great, but um, it. I. I. I don't know. It was hard to keep my attention throughout it, just because of how long some of the scenes are. But like, they look awesome, and I. I do think the flashbacks are just completely, almost unnecessary. I would say, well, there's, I, there, yeah. there's, aside from the ones that directly relate to the reveal at the end, yeah, I, I would tend to agree. With the car crash and yeah. like the car crush ones? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So <clears throat> I, I'm completely with you guys on that point. Um, I, I really like his character in this movie because it does feel like a matured version of what we've seen before. It's kind of interesting to see him older and a little more worn down and yet still have that kind of flair that he's known for. And one of my uh, one of my favorite moments of the movie is when uh, you know the the younger brother. Uh, you know, I I I, I, I suspect this was um, probably improvised, uh, where his delivery of a line when they're talking emulates that of how Vincent Gallo speaks, and it seemed to be an unintentional thing. And then Gallo kind of calls him out on it. He says, "Don't do don't do me. Do you? Don't do me. Do you?" Which I thought was very humorous. Uh, did, I, I take it you guys didn't catch that. Stan, I know I mentioned it I to you. Catch... It's like when oh, you see a comedian, that, yeah. like a, like a newer, younger comedian who's inspired by like Nick Mullen, and they just do Nick Mullen voice all the time on their fucking Twitter account or wherever, their podcast, and they just oh sound God, like right, Nick yeah. Mullen. It was that kind of thing. That's the best I can describe it. So, uh, yes, that, there, there's a scene in this movie that's like that, and whether it was improv or not, I, I thoroughly enjoyed that. Well, he left it in too, right? Yes, it's in there. Yeah. choice to leave that in, even if it was or it wasn't. And it makes sense within the context of what happens. I just, does that happen early in it? Because I think when you told me that I had seen it already, so I didn't, I definitely didn't catch that. Uh, but it sounds like something Vince Gallo <laughs> would do if someone was, you know, performing like him. <laughs> so it makes sense. It makes sense within the character and also him because they're so, you know, similar, I guess, from what I know of him. It's not really right. Much. Stan, hey, have you ever changed your name like Tetro does? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, no, 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 no. It's Stan's, it's short for something else, man. I mean, you know. Uh, Stanley, yeah. It's yeah, Stanley, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, you ever scold people when they just call you by your real name? I've done that to completely random strangers before introducing myself as parties just to fuck with people and it's awesome yeah yeah i, I see i gotta get more in the habit of doing that because hans like and i get I, my my legal name uh like he's my parent or something like he's my mom like my full <laughs> legal name he likes to do that sometimes kenny will do that too when we're doing our podcast and i'll just be like you motherfucker and it's like I, I think I think when we first started recording, I would do that a lot just because I didn't like I don't know who the fuck low res is. I've never talked to low res. You've been around the block, that's and, why. You've been around here for too long, Hans. You've been around here almost yeah. ten years now. That's why. Yeah. Fuck. God damn, I had hair. <laughs> I still had hair. And, and who is it? Is it is it Jerry that always calls me stun? That's his California accent, me, though. That uh, makes me so fucking mad. You know what I've noticed? Those Californians like Jerry do is what, instead of saying when, the they'll say whenever. That... Yeah, that's coded what slurs, you? you know, like yeah. how you say Canadians. 
Um, yes, yeah, yeah. They say whenever instead of when. So if you were to say like, oh, I'll come over when it's eight o'clock, he'll say, and he did this too. He'll say, oh, I'll come over whenever it's eight o'clock. Like you sound like a fucking retard. <laughs> Stop that. <laughs> Sucks. You probably you tell him instead of instead of. <laughs> I would. He doesn't check our group chat messages anymore, Hans. That's why. He's I'm very upset today. Playing Grand Theft Auto Five, man. He's got RPGs going, role play games. You know. I'm actually I'm going to see Jerry here next month. Really? We're working that shit out. Yeah, we're going all over the Southwest, up California to Washington. Going to Wyoming, Colorado. It's gonna be awesome. Nice. I love when I talked to you last, it was supposed to be Mexico. Yeah. Yes. It's not but Mexico we like, anymore. Clearly. Yeah. yeah I don't want to. I don't want to. Don't need to die, die right now. Get kidnapped or get macheted. Get a good machete to the throat. That's become nice a viral video. Any remember him? Where would you even find remember that now? Live leaks over. So. Oh yeah, that's true. Uh, it's too bad. It would be on daily motion. On You'd have no dignity. Daily motion. That's where you would wind up. <laughs> oh man. So Tetro's great. I love Tetro. I think it's a very good movie. I think it's Francis Ford Coppola's best since at least Rumblefish. And yeah. uh Vincent Gallo's great in it. It might be his best performance of the three films. And it, it kind of uh ends a trilogy of like cucked humiliated man who loses his girl you know it i mean the happy ending would have been it working in reverse order but that's not that's not life that's not how it turns out he loses wendy balsam kidnaps a girl then a girl dies she over ods during a gang rape and then you know he finds a girl and then his dad says hey i like that girl i want to take her from you and then he just goes to argentina changes his name (laughs) The everyman story, you know? The everyman, the American boy story. Hans, you look oh, like you were God. about to say something. No, I just, that made sense. I didn't see that. I guess because I didn't see the brown bunny, like I didn't make that connection at all. But yeah, it, it, it it's like a, a very uh, white American thing to do. You know, let's just go to a Latin American country with money and I'll just live like a king-ish. That's a very and Hitler that, I mean, thing to do, I think you mean. A very Nazi thing to do. Well, no, because he was escaping. It's different. He was escaping. I suppose, yeah. I mean, I guess Vince was kind of escaping, too. He was escaping. Vince. Character Vince Tetro. Prince Vince, man. He's uh, he's also in the Basquiat movie in a cameo, even though they, he they he was very tight with Basquiat. And uh, I guess um, they might have been in a band or something in the 1980s. And in the movie, they decided to combine... His character with uh, John Lurie from Fishing with John and the new yeah. HBO Max show Painting with John, which I both I enjoyed both of those quite a lot. Um, they decided to merge them into one, and that's uh, played by Benicio del Toro in that film. But Gallo does pop up in a small cameo in that movie. No shit. I still have yet to check. Yeah, it he's out, tight. To if I remember right, he's pretty tight with John Lurie too. Which is um, John Larry's the best. The Lounge Lizards are amazing. Fishing with John is blew my mind. Fishing with John like is outstanding, and that I think that's on what Criterion is, Channel. What, it's definitely worth this? checking out. What are you guys talking about? Fishing is with John. 
I'm not familiar. John Lurie. John Lurie, uh, you would, I mean, have you checked out any of Jim Jarmusch's early films? No. Well, he's in Down by Law. He's in, uh, what was the other one uh, where it's like a dude meeting his sister and there's three of them. Is it Paradise something? Oh, wow. That sounds riveting. (laughs) It's a movie about a man meeting his sister. Wow. I wonder why I haven't seen that. He's a good actor, though, and he's he pops up in a lot of like '80s and '90s movies, and then his career as an actor kind of peters out in the 2000s, and then all of a sudden you just go on HBO Max, and all of a, you know, there's Painting with John, and that's like produced by Adam McKay, I guess. Adam McKay was like, "Hey, what if we just bring John Lurie back?" And he's on Twitter. He's a pretty good tweeter, but he's he, definitely he, one of these like boomer liberal types. Like he's the antithesis of Vincent Gallo. Like they're opposite ends of the spectrum in that regard. Oh yeah, John John Lurie's story is like fucking tragic though. Like he was in the Lounge Lizards. He was in like Conan's band when Conan came out and like wrote his song and and uh, and then he got what did he get? Some disease, Lyme disease, and he like couldn't play music anymore, so he started painting, and now he like gets off the painting. So he's like, well, I, it saved me from killing myself, and then. Uh, or I guess he did fishing first and then it was painting, but he did interviews in the nineties, man, where he talked about wanting to do painting with John and they were supposed to do burglary with John where they would <laughs> go into celebrities houses and like change the curtains and shit. Like friends of his, like they wanted to go to Martha Stewart's house and like completely rearrange like her dishes. Sounds like a very, but, but it would be him and like, show. Flavor Flav or some shit. <laughs> Exclusively on Peacock uh, streaming service. It's very safe. It's a Quibi exclusive. Quibi. Yeah, yeah. So, so so what does he do? What He just paints and... Well, he here's the thing. He's got two wives in the Caribbean, man. He's just are paints. they both his... Hold on, I was going to mention this because you... I mean, the, the tone of both of these shows are different from one another. Where Fishing with John is like, they're going on a hangout. It's like half scripted and half them just improvising, fucking around. And he does it with a celebrity and there's six episodes. Uh, one is Jim Jarmusch and others Willem Dafoe. That might be the best one, the Willem Dafoe ice fishing yeah. one. I yeah. enjoyed that the most. Dennis Hopper has a two-parter and then I, I think maybe Tom Waits might be... Tom Waits and then um, why is his name escaping me? Fucking House of Jack Bill. What's his name? Oh, Matt Dillon. Young Matt Dillon. Matt Dillon. Is, is... And he didn't know Matt Dillon, and he was super young. Mm-hmm. He was like, they're, they're making me go with this young up-and-comer <laughs> who I don't know, and I'm going to go fucking camp and ride horses on the beach with this guy. Like, Right, yeah. So th- this show is a comedy show. It's presented as, like I guess, what would be a reality show for that time or uh, just, a, just a general travel show. And uh, it's very great. It's uh, on Criterion Channel. It might be on some other streaming services. Worth checking out. And then uh, this Painting with John show is a totally different tone. It's not scripted at all. It's him talking to the camera and just kind of, like, existing. And I I was going to say, you see, like, these, like, very plump, older Spanish women just kind of cruising in and out of the background. Or, like, Caribbean women just showing up one day and there's no explanation for it. He's just talking to them, getting into arguments with them. And it seems like they have something intimate going on, but it's with yeah, many of them. Two, he's married to both of them. That's so sure. this is just a live a live stream into his house. Is that what the show is? It's a little more well polished than that. But yeah. I, essentially I mean, it's kind of like you get to see how he lives and he's working on a thing and he'll ramble and they'll shoot it very well. 
So it's not just so he's cheap. He's yeah. stre- st- streaming with a director and multiple cameras. Yeah, maybe. I mean, you could you could consider it that. It's like if uh, there was a reality show, like, what's that? The Chrysleys? Chrisley Knows Best on E! <laughs> that horrible fucking show? If if it was just John Lurie, and that's it. And a bunch of... What the fuck? What was that show? Who's that guy? Now that you mention, because I was always confused when I used to... Uh, watch uh, WWE a couple of years ago. That commercial would always come up. It's just Chris Lee knows best. I have this no clue what he's guy. known for. I have it's no like, idea what he, where he came from. Nobody like, does. Why does he have a giant house and a big family? And who's this guy? What did he do to deserve that? I don't know. I was very confused. Like, there's a very loose framework here. Obviously, like the Kardashian family was like, yeah, he was. A, you know, it was Robert Kardashian's family, famous prosecutor like a bad guy. And uh, yeah, Bruce Jenner just married into it. There you go. That's the amount of fame, which was like that much. So you could, you could set up a, an entire series and now franchise around that premise. The, the Chrysler family, Chrysler. I don't know what they're, they're known for. Oh, they're real estate tycoon. That's not uh, that, but that's not that doesn't warrant a reality show. That's not fair. No, they probably just made enough money in real estate. They just bought themselves a show. Hundred percent, hundred percent. That's what yeah, I've suspected here. He's very controlling, easily irritated, and often unreasonable. He, have okay. you seen this man's face? By the way, he loves he, plastic surgery. Yeah, yeah. It says that he's a, a germaphobe and tries to avoid things like dirt and animals. This is just. Uh, creating a uh, a backstory for a character that's not interesting at all to try to get an audience because yeah yeah so a real estate tycoon wouldn't you like to see how he interacts with his family no no I want to see him burn alive <laughs> yeah it's like there's not the you know interesting people in the world at least before well no I was gonna say before reality shows had to add something but not really I when I when I go I'm home just... and I visit my folks right they will watch that. And it is like, you know, you have a certain stereotype of what the family reality show is like that was set by the Kardashians and the Osbournes. And it's like literally a shade of that. Like nobody brings anything interesting or new to the table. Everyone is just playing like a character that's existed in reality TV for 20 years. It is the most mind-numbing shit on the planet. If people There's... fucking eat that up, man. They, they love There's it. eight seasons. There's eight seasons with oh the with the last season. Look up uh, how much and how much those eight the last season. <laughs> Twenty six episodes each uh, from season one uh, from season oh four God. on. The, the first three seasons were eight, twelve, and twenty, and then from then on is twenty six episodes. They're each. they're about to hit two hundred episodes of that. Um, and then from then uh, there's spinoffs. Uh, according to Chrisley. <laughs> which is a half an hour center, half an hour after show, uh, where he tackles the truth about marriage, parenting, sex, and relationships. See, that's the thing that I don't get. Like, you look at that guy. You would not want to get his opinion on any of those things because look at him. You know, like, I want to know how you made your money because you don't look like you could make money. So that would be interesting. But not, hey, how do you treat your fucking wife? Who cares? I, I'll disagree with you. That guy looks like the perfect real estate agent. That's the type of agent you want to get when you're about to buy a big house. There's uh, What's Cooking with Julie Chrisley, which was uh, on the USA Network's website, 10-episode web series. And then in 2019, they announced that the kids are getting their own spinoff. 
titled Growing Up Chrisley. So now there's another show, another show with the kids. So that's um, there's th- two seasons of that show already, and they uh, renewed it for a season three. Terrific! Uh, it's so a big I happy guess, ending. The the American I, dream. I guess it's just one of those things where we're just not familiar with it because we don't live in those places where people still watch this type of thing, you know, because I like I like I said, every time that shit would pop up the ads, I'll be like, I'm so confused as to number one, who's the target audience of this gay man and his family like interacting with each other and then eight seasons of this and it's still going. The, I, I, I think, yeah. you know, what would be it, a great show is like Gallo knows best. But it's like the John Lurie show, and it's just him brooding and like thinking of Instagram posts to make, just on his phone, just making the photoshops photosho- to sell yeah, six hundred yeah, yeah. shirts. <laughs> it's not even Photoshop. It's got to be like paint. It, it's really it's bare a, minimum. It's one of those browse, browser sites where you just go into the browser. <laughs> yeah, you don't have yes, yeah. On your computer, it's in Google just Chrome. Talking to- and it's just him ranting about the person for half an hour because it takes him half an hour to put text on an image. <laughs> what oh, I meant. Well, Vince Gallo, painting with Vince Gallo. That's our new idea for a show. <laughs> Got him photoshopping with Vince Gallo. I would like to Back see women. Gallo and uh, Chris Lee in an interview with one on one with one another for 40 minutes. <laughs> What what would you do if you were alone in a room with Vincent Gallo? Uh, leave probably. <laughs> yeah, I'd be very yeah. nervous. I'd be uh, like, oh, I have to go use the restroom and come back after twelve minutes or something. <laughs> you know, that's the type of thing. Yeah, I've, and- listen, I've I've heard that he is just a more uh, a little more of a polite version of who he is online when you meet him, or that uh, he will not acknowledge you. If you or like you'll get like the most bare minimum social interaction without any sort of energy at all. So that's what's to be expected if you talk to him. Same. I can. I have a a list. I have a. I have a list of shit I would do with Vincent Gallo if I was alone in a room with them. Oh Jesus! Do we want to know? I don't, know, I don't know if I'm curious or I don't know terrified. if it's safe for YouTube or wherever this is going. <laughs> yeah, I think he's one of those artists that I that you admire from afar because you know that nothing good will come out if you talk to them and might actually ruin things. That's happened to me a couple of times with bands that I really, really liked and then you meet them and it's kind of like, oh, you kind of suck. I don't want to listen to that, your shit that happened. That happened with me and um, Nick Reinhardt. I made a fucking ass oh, really? of myself in front of him. Yeah. I went to a show in Denver and it was like, you know, that's the dude. He plays guitar for Death Grips and fucking Tara Mellos, man. Like he's the yeah. coolest guitar player right now. No one knew who they were. No, I was the only person like dancing to their show. And I go up to him and I made him sign a t-shirt instead of a vinyl. And I just felt so fucking stupid. But he like, I was trying to have small talk with him, and it was very hard to like it, not reference death grips. You can. Th- th- no. That's the thing, uh, because you overdo it, trying to seem natural and trying to be like, "Hey, I'm just going to talk to you about everything but the thing that I know you for," <laughs> because yeah. it's weird to talk I'm to cool, you. Cool, man. I'm fucking cool. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> hey, hey. I'm uh, not uh, like uh, the other talk- girls. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to pretend that I know these bands that I think you might like. 
I, I've met him. I met the, the three of them in, in London a couple of times. Uh, and uh, because like you, like it was just me and maybe three other guys that knew who they were at all. Uh, but I learned uh, how to interact with people that I, I um, <clears throat> that I admire. And it's just, if I want to buy something, I go, I make them sign him. Hey, thanks. Cool. Hey, cool yep. show. That's it. Because yeah. every time I've, I've tried to relate with anyone in any way, like I'm autistic off. enough. Yeah. I'm autistic enough already socially with people I know. And then someone <laughs> that I know, you know, things that they like and things that we can talk about. So when it's someone like that, that, you know, you admire because you like something that they do. But I, I'm not someone that cares much about their life outside of their music or actors or whatever. So there's nothing that I can relate with them uh, other than things that I think they might like. So if you try doing that, that that's never no. going to work. And I've tried doing that a couple of times and it's just awkward. Like, I, um, I guess I'll go. I guess. Uh, cool, guys. Hey, good, good show. Uh, fuck. And uh, yeah, so it's just keep it to a minimum. Uh, I've learned I've learned my lesson because of that. One of my favorite um, Murder by Death is one of my favorite bands since I was like oh, a, a yeah. young kid. And uh, I met the singer and I thought I was going to have a conversation with him, but he was so exhausted that he wanted nothing to do with me. So it was me trying to like, hey, so uh, I saw you guys in this other like 10 years ago when I was like, oh, cool, man. Cool. Like, that's it. Like, that's all I got. And I was like, yeah, just I mean, they're just done playing for an hour, hour and a half. Like, they don't want people to go fucking try to have conversations with them. So it's uh, it's like a, a tough lesson to learn when you really admire someone. It's like, that's not fuck this slight relationship that we have up by interacting with each other yeah you got to go full retard mode first to learn it yeah the so uh fan i guess I yeah did you do you see that picture i posted of me and vanilla ice yes yeah that that got some pretty good engagement from what i saw what was the I, circumstance i did security there? for him a couple of years ago and i was the biggest asshole in the world to him <laughs> like i was part of I was doing this, like, it was like an autograph, like, VIP thing. Uh, and so I just stood kind of by him and made sure nobody fucking touched him. And at the end, he's like, all right, we're going to get a picture. And I was like, no, nah, I don't care. And he's like, oh, you got to get a picture, man. And I was like, I told him his breath smelled bad. And I kind of, like, pushed him off of me. <laughs> like, man is in, I don't know, he's the strangest person I've probably ever met in my life. He had like sequin Jordans on, and the well, he worst. Lives like... a, he he lives in like a weird reality, right? Because he's still this person whose face you recognize, but it's not a good thing that you recognize his yeah. face. You know what I mean? Didn't he have <laughs> a, like, a show? Oh, cool. There was a show on like A and E where he was flipping houses for a period of yeah, time, and yeah, then he I got in legal trouble, I believe, and he, that show oh, no had shit. to stop. Oh, oh shit! shit. Oh. He was still doing that when I met him, so that had to have been like three years ago or something. That I mean, yeah. he, that was that was like the high point of his most recent life because prior to that, he was on the Surreal Life, and then he did like the Surreal Life All Stars, which was like a competitive show, and uh, it was called Fame Games. Sad. And what happened was he had an alliance with Ron Jeremy, who's also been arrested, unfortunately, for terrible <laughs> things. Uh, he's not even there. You know, if you if you watch no, any of like going. his old cameos, it's like you're not surprised at all that this dude is just like feeling random women at conventions and shit. Like he's his brain is mush. Um, yeah, he's popping GHB to get to sleep. 
So he's he's you know <laughs> he's he's in an, an alliance with Vanilla Ice, and it's the two of them and uh, like Tracy Bingham from Baywatch and somebody else. Somebody else is there too. I forget who the final four were. And Ron Jeremy, unfortunately, uh, you know he backstabbed Vanilla Ice. He voted Vanilla Ice his partner. He voted him out at the final four. Oh. And Vanilla Ice did not handle this well and decided to destroy the set of The Surreal Life. And it wasn't, it was not a bit. He started smashing lights and he tore down like the wall and everything. He was throwing chairs and he was about to like kill Ron Jeremy. And I wish that clip existed today. This was before YouTube, really. This was like 2004. And I remember they were promoting it. Anyway, it didn't work out for Ron Jeremy. He came in second place. Who won? Damn. Tracy and he lost the best won. friend, Ron. Yeah, he. I mean, I think Tracy that was the end of it. Bingham? Tracy Bingham, very attractive black girl from Baywatch. Vanilla oh, Ice. Vanilla Ice has the worst pizza face I've ever seen in real life. Oh really? He's got pock marks. Oh man! It's oh wait, I, I found I found the clip. Oh shit! Yeah, he started throwing drums around. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> uh. Um, I don't know. I mean, you, you're saying that he's not like relevant anymore. doesn't have much going on, but his Wikipedia says that on December 31st of 2020, he was the star attraction at the New Year's Eve party at President Trump's Mar-a-Lago. Whoa. So I was just going to say, you know, what would be a good move for him is to just like make himself a Trump guy because then he'll have some audience because people will (laughs) talk themselves into liking him because he likes Trump. Like, uh, all of a sudden, and, like, uh, according yeah. to Wikipedia, last project he's worked on, uh, was on June, 2021, which is just now just happened. He narrated a BBC five radio live documentary podcast covering the theft of a racehorse. That's not bad. That's not bad work for vanilla. That's a very like dignified, noble sure. work for vanilla. Ice. Yeah. BBC. Yeah. Yep. BBC From HDTV radio. to the BBC, man. That's a that's a come up, you know. Yeah, good for him. <laughs> he needs to get his face lasered, though. Oh man, this was oh geez, this was actually two thousand seven. This faint and what? Vern Troyer came in fourth place. Oh Peppa from Salt and Pepper. Damn, oh, what a cast! IP a king. So did you just say what a cast? I, I always I like that when they would put Vern Troyer on these competitive reality shows because you know he's just a little man in wheelchair bound. He can't actually compete. Hey Vern, can you get on the couch? No, damn it! Fuck, you're on our team. Shit, we just have to carry you. Throw <laughs> yeah, him on the couch. Yeah, you he couldn't do it. Like there. he was too little to do anything. He really. needed the work though. So he and did he's that. A fucking out- alcoholic too right uh, that's I've, I've heard he had a number of problems he's unrelated got a sex tape man oh oh jesus yeah yeah i remember that oh that's ugly that's bad stuff bad he's for just the like he's like standing up behind the girl Ugh, terrible <laughs> uh he they put him on celebrity big brother too uh in the uk which required much less of him than this surreal life fame games where they had to compete each week it just wobbles around on the floor or was he on his little scooter that he he's, he's in the scooter all the time all the can you, time can you imagine Bird troyer on one of those uh hoverboards 
<laughs> you look like a little green that. green goblin, like an elf. A little wazoo from the Flintstones. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy! Also, Mickey Rourke in Buffalo '66. Forgot about that. Often forgot about Mickey Rourke, mm-hmm. the bookie. The bookie. So, I mean, I think I think that that's basically the end of the Gallo retrospective, unless we missed anything. Stan, what do you think? Oh, I think we covered everything. I mean, that's all I've really seen of the guy. He, his website is just something you got to go experience for yourself. I hate to even chill my video just because that first reaction to it is amazing. And because that's I heard about it on this podcast. is And then, um, yeah, I mean, that's how my whole thing started, man. That was our only idea for a video. We were like, we, it just needs to get made, you know. And um, it's turned into much, much more than that. But I, I'm, I'm a little, like, reluctant to be as pigeonholed as the Gallo guy as I am. <laughs> I'll take it. I'm just going to react my vengeance on that man as soon as I can. Uh, and it's, his services are still available to this day. You can still purchase Vincent Gallo's sperm. Uh, he does have his preferences as far as buyers go. It is a buyer's market, and yeah. um, you know he, you know, you can sleep with him for money. Half a million dollars, right? Fifty thousand. I can't remember the numbers. Hans, would you? How would you feel if someone in your life paid to sleep with Vincent Gallo? Oh, that's not the question I thought you were going to ask. What did you think I was going to ask? <laughs> I don't know. Do they have money? I don't know. I don't care. It's not my money. Well, Hans, what, what would it be like to have money? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I've never known. <sighs> my money you can spend paying for an actor so you can fuck him in the ass? <laughs> I don't know. I, can, I could not imagine a reality where that would be possible even. So no, I don't know. Well, Do- Doge didn't work out for you, did it? Yeah, the $20 I put in, I really <laughs> thought I was going to make it. <laughs> you put me into Roblox? You got you to get on. I don't on even know what that is. Uh, Avi. Is that a, another? That's what you need is uh, Avi. Vince Gallo needs to come up with his own coin. It's just a droplet of sperm. One sperm. Cool. Okay. By one sperm. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Chinese <laughs> That's actually how coronavirus started, is they obtained the gallo sperm, and uh, it just mutated, it evolved, kills oh, everybody's wow, immune photo, system. That photo on, on his, like the, you go to his store, vgmerchandise.com, and he's wearing a little sailor outfit holding his dick on like the first screen. It's pretty great. It's very so adorable. You know exactly what you're, very cute photo. <laughs> getting into, yeah. A little cropped up. Well, that's been that's been the Vincent Gallo trilogy for now. Maybe if we get May, maybe if we get Promises Written in Water, do a follow up. That'd be quite nice. I'd like that. Yeah, I'm here for it. But until then, where can people find you? He sells. <laughs> oh, what, what does he sell? Hold on, Hans. He sells autographed magazines for 150 bucks. It's a good deal. Say, it wasn't. I was in a magazine called Cups in 1998, $105.
I mean, that's cool. I mean, I guess if you're a hoarder and has a bunch of that shit, that's a great way of getting rid of it, right? Yeah. I sure. have. You uh, can stay as a hoarder. I didn't buy this from Gallo, but I have a nice. I mean, Japan really puts effort into uh, theatrical releases where they'll give you a pamphlet, they'll do this, they'll do that. They'll. Uh, there's a magazine that was released exclusively in Japan that coincided with the release of buffalo 66 i got this on ebay it's a very nice purchase uh and i think we should probably take a cue from japan when it comes to treating movies with respect and actually building some momentum for things that are going to come out regardless of their quality because i think that adds something to films to have uh it become more of an event than just something that's shuffled off and forgotten as soon as it's watched so uh Anyway, that's that's just what I had to say about magazines. I like magazines. I got some, hey, I got some porno magazines over here too. I got some girls' breasts. There we go. You know, you want to see some Gallo breasts fan. on this show? I like some good vintage breasts. Forget what I said before about them being dead. You want to see some <laughs> some some big boobs, Ston? You like big boobs? I do. Nah, this woman's gross. She's got some small tits. That's nasty. <laughs> Women look <laughs> fucked up in the 60s, huh? Jesus, where are the tits? See, people get all upset because Playboy's not <laughs> featuring naked women anymore. And it's like there's hardly did. naked women to begin with. Yeah. Ugh. The interview, the interviews are great. I can't show this on YouTube. I, I Maybe I can get away. Well, you just saw kind okay. of a boob. Very pointy. Well, you're gonna, Very you're like... You're going to cover the bush from one page, but not the bush from the other page. You gotta use yeah, two maybe. fingers to do it. Well, ooh, hold on a second. She's pretty okay. Her her ribs are poking out too much. Uh, oh, we got a centerfold here. Oh my god! I can't show you guys that. That's too good for the Patreon too five dollar level. Get to keep it to himself. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I'm gonna have a fun time after this show's over. Anyway, that's all this, been moving. All this gallo horny talk. Hell yeah. Hell yeah! It's good to get. A, it's healthy to get aroused. I don't think. He, I don't think Stone uh, uh, plugged anything. I've <laughs> got plenty of plugs. Is that what we're doing right now? Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm not. I mean, Fucking you can find me at, at Jet Black Pope Instagram and Twitter. The L is a one. I'm sorry. Hold on. I couldn't hear you because Hans was cursing to himself and very Just upset. Mosquitoes just uh, my. You have knees. roaches and mosquitoes in your bedroom. Stein, <laughs> yeah, did you see? The, hold on, did, did you I see when we were doing Civic TV? <laughs> when we were doing Civic TV, and and uh, we're talking about oh, Hans has cockroaches in his home, and then he's like, hold on, guys, wait a second, and he just pivots the camera down, and he like literally just crunched a roach in his bedroom. Yeah, it's, it's good timing. Yeah. You know, it was planned. I did that on purpose. I set up a trail of roach food. It was a food, bit. It was just a is. bit, guys. Yeah. It was a yeah. rubber yeah, roach. Yeah. It was fake. So, uh, Stun, uh, why don't you say your username again that no one's going to get because it's more you, complicated. You just called him Stun, like, <laughs> like Jerry does. Stun? How, how? I don't know. I don't know. I'm foreign. I can get away with no mispronouncing names. I say right. it in every video I put out. Because Should I'm I just a say your real name? Asshole inspired by Vincent Gallo. Um, Austin, fine. 
you can't be doing that either, man. <laughs> the fuck. <laughs> right. So your Twitter, Twitter, Instagram, Jet Black Pope. Um, the L is a one. It's not that complicated. It's easy to find. Um, but I, I would rather you subscribe to my YouTube channel, Sewer City TV, Sewer City TV on Instagram. Um, I don't know when, when is this going to come out, Lorez? This will be out today in video on Patreon, but it ain't going to be out for a second for the uh, iTunes or Spotify feeds. Uh, because we are currently, we got a three-parter with Oki and Kino coming out and a three-hour yeah. episode on JFK. Uh, with Anthony Cisco that will be dropping before then. So it'll probably be about a week or two. Okay. But do you think it'll be before July? Well, before, I mean, that's, that's like six days, isn't it? That's <laughs> a week. That's what I'm wondering. Okay. I, by the time that this comes out, my film Gummo 2 will be released. I made a sequel to Gummo and it comes out on the 1st of July, so it'll be out soon. Right now it's sitting at about 45 minutes, but we're gonna try to get it down to a little under 30, and it's... Um, Fuck that, add add six minutes to it, and then you have a yeah, feature like film. two and a half hours of footage, man. Just, th- just throwing any, I mean, maybe just like slow down the credits by like 50% and have that be it, because then you're officially a feature, and then you can get in trouble for real with Harmony Crin. <laughs> <laughs> What if you call it Gunno or something like that? Would just no, fuck one that. Letter? I say stick no, with Gummo too. Do the Django thing okay. where you just use the title and oh, it doesn't yeah. matter if it's related or not. Yeah, fuck it, man. <laughs> I've got Harmony Corinne's personal email and I'm going to uh, send it to him immediately and tell him I made the sequel. He wish he did. Um, <laughs> I did the Hamlet too. I improved it. <laughs> there we go. The next, the next headshot feature. <laughs> oh yes uh wait jeez, i was gonna get in oh harmony corinne loves to lie that's what i've learned about harmony corinne since the 90s is he loves to make up stories to make himself sound cool or interesting like the whole fight harm movie oh I've, yeah there's a lot of shit he said about what? that that i think could be easily debunked now because you can very easily look up arrest records and things like that and uh, he yeah, loves yeah. telling stories on talk shows like David Letterman. But uh, I, I, I think a lot of it is just grounded in pure fantasy. He's just yeah, it's because he's a little dweeb. Yeah, he's a little... He's, I mean, I don't want to call him a wimp. That's a little mean, but he's I a little want, man. I look at him, I want to give him a nuggie. <laughs> They're going to say, I want to give him a kiss. A big kiss ah, on the lips. Too. That too. It's complicated <laughs> feelings. When a man's that small, you know? <laughs> anyway, uh, so yes, everybody check out Stan's work, uh, Sewer City TV. It's all great stuff. True comedy of the 21st century. Nobody else is doing good shit. And Hans, are you okay? What? How's your how's your head yeah. going? I'm sweating. I don't know if you can see how shiny I am right now. Have you ever thought about getting face. a light? <laughs> No, for what? So, <laughs> so you can see me better? You want to see my, my sweaty face better? See how sweaty I've been? Well, no, that's that's the exact lighting that you should use right there. Man. Yeah, just 
Like an interrogation. <laughs> <That's> fucking terrifying. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. It's always just like a, a little uh, crescent moon in the dark whenever you're on cam. It's because I want to be taken seriously. You know, I'm very dramatic. I hold my chin a lot, you know. <laughs> Look forward. Not it's a very camera. unsolved it's a movie star now. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Finding my angle. Great. Okay. All right. That has been movies for, for this week. Thank you for listening.